Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, what's good, everybody? Uh, welcome to an episode of the Movement Boxing Podcast. Uh, thank you all for joining in, and we live and direct tonight. Um, you got myself, uh, Twine Divine Liberty, FoodJab.com, and RockyMountainBoxing.com. Uh, we also got Bo and Bernard of the Truth and Facts About Boxing, and we got my main man, 2K, of the Guys of Boxing Talk on as well, uh, including the panel of our co-hosts, and uh, together we are the movement, you know, bring you, uh, you know, the Sean Filter Truth Weekly, you know, like we try to always do. Uh, we got some interesting topics for you tonight, as usual, and, you know, we're going to get it kicked off. Uh, how y'all doing tonight, fellas? Doing good, man. Blessed. Doing well. All right, uh, let's get this uh, kicked off. I guess you know. Uh, first off, we got uh, we had David Lemieux <clears throat> in his return to the ring over the past weekend in a ten round middleweight belt, uh, beating Christian Rios uh, by unanimous unanimous decision. Uh, let me get everybody's take on this. I guess I'm gonna start off with uh, with Bernard on this one, man. Uh, what was your take on the fight? David Lemieux did what he's supposed to do, pretty much apply the pressure and dictate the pace of the fight. He imposed his will. I kind of he should have got dude out, but he didn't. That's the only thing he didn't do. So, man, I, it wasn't much of a fight. I would I was expecting on David Lemieux. It wasn't no action. I don't know if it was because the guy was a, a southpaw. I mean, Rios was a southpaw, but. Other than that, he just he did he dictated the pace. That I was expecting more of a knockout, but nothing happened. So other than that, it wasn't a much of an interesting fight to me. That's all. Excuse me. All right. Uh, let me pass it on to TK on this one. Uh, what did you see in the fight, <laughs> man? And you know, were you disappointed by anything, or you know, just give us your thoughts on the fights, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, Christian Christian Rios, man. Uh, first of all, can y'all hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I have a I got bad allergies today, man, so I might be a little off, but uh but anyway, yeah, Christian Rios, man, he um he's a tough Argentinian, man. I kind of disagree with a little bit of what Bernard said about um saying that David Lemieux should have got him out of there. Um Rios has eight losses and never been knocked out in his career. So he's he's a very tough Argentinian. He's not a guy that you just don't walk in there and knock out. I mean, Kind of the same thing they said about Andre Ward when he fought Alexander Brandt. Uh, that's a guy that had never been knocked out, only had one loss uh, prior to um, fighting uh, uh, Andre Ward. So same can be said here. Um, but early on in the fight, man, like maybe the first five rounds, um, I seen David Lemieux having a little bit of trouble, man. And then it could have been because Christian Rios was a southpaw. Now, not by any means did 
Christian Rios win more than one round, maybe two at tops in this fight. But you can see that he was just a little bothered, man, by the southpaw stance. Also, Rios had some pretty fast hands. He was setting up David Lemieux with the jab uh, pretty nicely. A couple times he caught him, caught Lemieux coming in. Um, I recall one particular time, I think it was in round four, Lemieux was coming in. Christian Rios hit him with a, with a counter uppercut um, right on the money. I mean, he he was a he was you know he's a decent guy. The problem I have with Rios is that he doesn't have any fucking lateral movement. Um, he fights like he's a boxer, like he you know he wants to to set up combinations behind the jab, and then at points in time he'll roll the shoulder a little bit and try to counter you. But he has no lateral movement. He continuously backed up to the ropes, and that's where he was getting his ass caught on. Whenever he go to the ropes, well, David Lemieux would just measure him, measure him. Then he'd unload punches on him, and that's when we would see the the, the original or the normal, you know what I'm saying, David Lemieux. So uh, it wasn't until maybe round, the end of round five, in my opinion, that David Lemieux actually came into his, his self and started uh, uh, catching Rios, pretty much looking like the David Lemieux that he's always looked like. It didn't happen for me until the end of round five. But from that point on, he pretty much went ahead and dominated the fight. Uh, he got acclimated with Rios. Rios was more so towards the, towards the middle rounds, uh, the middle rounds towards the end of the fight, just trying to stay away from Lemieux's um, right hand more than anything else. He was, like I said, he was doing a lot of backing up towards the ropes. Um, but if he had better lateral movement, if he could keep the fight in the middle of the ring, I think he would have had a better shot. Um, but whenever he gets up against those ropes, man, that's when the referees would be like, up, oh, up, oh, another round for Lemieux. So all in all, I think he – I didn't like the way David Lemieux looked. Uh, to be honest, his fight against Glenn Tapia five months ago looked better. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, again, I don't really expect too much from David Lemieux. He's, he's barely a B-class fighter in my opinion. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. He's talking about he wants Canelo next uh, in the spring of next year. I mean, it is what it is, man. Make the fight happen. That's a good win for Canelo. All right. Uh, we're going to pass it on to my man, Bo. Let me uh, get your take on this. Uh, what did you think of his performance, and was this enough to make you think he's still, you know, one of the best at uh, 160? I never thought David Lee was one of the best at 160. I'm just going to put that out. I never did think he was one of the best. But Lemieux is good. He's a good B-level fighter. He's good against other BC-level guys. Um, you know, he's been knocked out, and we all know we we all know what what that is. Um, as far as him and his opponent that he fought Rios, everything 2K says right. Rios did. On top of that, Rios didn't even have no punching power. The guy got what 21 fights, only six knockouts. So the guy didn't have no yep. punching power. Um, you know, the uh, this is definitely somebody I felt like David Lemieux should have. Uh, I mean, he's he is tough just like Brand, and the thing about it is he's another guy that fought all the way in Argentina, and even though he was tough and he didn't handle punching power, but the guy was obviously, you know, he was a good mover because he was giving David Lemieux problems with the hand speed. He was moving a little bit and, you know, giving, you know moving around, pivoting, and he just didn't have no power. When he was letting his hands go, it was nothing for David Lemieux to be worried about. Uh, my only problem is, and uh, watching this fight, it took me back to something 2K used to say. People would, would, when David Lemieux fought Glenn Tapia, they was praising the shit out of David Lemieux, trying to justify Gennady Golovkin's victory over David Lemieux. And uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I go back to something. 
You finished? That's not me, by the way. <laughs> that was not me. <laughs> anyway, it goes back to something that 2K said to me one time, and that is, you know, don't tell me about a fighter what he does, uh, you know, try to justify a fighter um, after he fights a guy, try to justify this fighter by saying, oh, well, he must not have been that bad. Look at what he did here, okay? And he's absolutely right. right. Glenn, Tapia, Glenn Tapia was not that great. He had got beat by James Kirkland. And because of the fact that David Lemieux ran over Tapia doesn't mean that David Lemieux was that great of an opponent for Gennady Golovkin. He wasn't that great of an opponent then, and he's, he's, not, he, well, he's not, in my opinion, that great of an opponent for the man now because he's fighting <clears> these lower-class fighters. Uh, but I don't see him beating Canelo. That's an easy win for Canelo. I would have liked to have seen David Lemieux versus Curtis Stevens, but Stevens is not yeah. going to fight De La Rosa. But that would have been a better test for me to see what David Lemieux is because Stevens can crack. So it would have been good because some of them punches that Rios was landing, I'm looking at David Lemieux like, you should not be getting hit with them punches, man. You know, a lot of – and then there were times even when David Lemieux, when Rios would, 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 uh, would, would shift and pivot and get him trapped against the ropes, Lemieux would cover up. You know, he doesn't have – he does he's not great with his head movement. He just put his hands over his head. And uh, Rios was able to get some punches in. So, um, but, you know, it went the way we expected it to go. It was a David Lemieux fight in Canada. And, it, you know, um, he's not – in my opinion, he's not one of the top guys at 160. But – he is still a he he's still a guy in the division that can crack and got some decent skills and one of the, probably one of the top B level guys in the division. Yeah, just to piggyback off of everybody, um I know he's calling out Canelo for next spring. Um it's it's an in house golden boy fight, so it's something that can be done and easy to make. Um almost can consider it a cash out fight for Lemieux. I don't see too many bigger paydays for him happening, you know, at that division too much longer. Um, he looked kind of soft in this fight to me personally. Um, yeah, he just, he was, I guess he, he did what he was supposed to do. You know, I won't say I was impressed with him or anything, but he did what he was supposed to do. Um, early on, like, you know, I was checking to see if he could get past Rios's jab, you know, because that's something he couldn't do against the, uh, against Triple G, you know. Um, so I was looking to see if he could get past that, and he was able to cut off the ring and close distance still against Rios. It just wasn't, you know, it didn't end in, in the same results we're used to seeing from him, you know. And Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to expect going forward from him at 160. Um, I definitely don't see but him keep in mind, though, Keep in mind, he was only able to get past the jab because it wasn't it wasn't a strong jab either. No, yeah, well, true, true. I I can agree there. I was just checking to see if, how he could, you know, look against it, though. Um, you know, considering that was what Triple G beat him with single-handedly, you know, just on a jab alone, you know. So I wanted to see how how he could do against against another jabber. But um, yeah, I, I don't expect to see much more from him at 160 as far as uh being a dominant guy at the weight class. Um, I actually could see a move him going up to 168. He he looked pretty soft in this fight to me. Like, he just didn't <clears throat> look that good for some reason. I'm not sure what it was, but 
Uh, that's my take on what I saw in the fight, but he, he definitely did. He was supposed to do a one at a ten rounder. Um, I don't think he would have been so impressive against uh, Curtis Stevens the way he looked tonight, basically. So he got he dodged the bullet not getting that one. Uh, that brings up our second topic for today. Um, it looks like we'll have a middleweight professional debut from two-time Olympic gold medalist Clarissa Shields of Michigan. Uh, she'll be debuting, making her debut on um, the Kovalev War card on November 19th. Um, I'm pretty excited about this news, actually hearing about this personally. Um, yeah. Let me get everybody's take on this. Um, I'll start with you, TK, because I know you like the women's boxing as well. So, you know, uh, what's oh, your yeah. on this happening? Oh, yeah, yeah. We we talked about this um, on one of our latest videos on my channel, The Guys of Boxing Talk. Um, we wanted to get it out there for everybody, all of, at least our, our listeners, um, that we will have a woman debuting on the undercard of this fight. At that point in time, um, Rock Nation and Main Event, they weren't sure. Rock Nation wanted her to do it. Main Event didn't. Um, I guess it went Rock Nation's way. Um, but the opponent up to this point in time, has not been named. I haven't seen anything on it. If y'all have, let me know. But I haven't seen anything on an opponent for her just yet. Um, but regardless of who it is, hopefully it's somebody that will make her look really good. You know how we do the uh, the men uh, in boxing that just come out of the Olympics, uh, amateurs that just turned pro, that are very promising uh, superstars in the sport. We'll match them up against carpenters, cab drivers, motherfuckers that work at Walmart part-time and shit, that's what they need to do for Clarissa Shields, especially being on the uh, the undercard of this particular mega fight so that the people can actually see a woman uh, dominate another woman and it may draw more interest to the sport. Um, I still feel bad that the beautiful and most dominant woman fighter in the world right now, Cecilia Brackett, couldn't be the one to, 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 to open up uh, for women's boxing because she deserves it more than anyone else. But at the same time, this would be a win uh, for women's boxing. So I'm 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 glad this is happening. All right, um, let me pass it over to uh, the Bo. Uh, let me get your take on this. Uh, what's your thoughts on Clarissa uh, finally declaring going pro as well? You know, it's it's uh, it's very exciting. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> see, the the thing is, and what makes it exciting is when you think about the last two women that kind of brought some notoriety to uh, female boxing was uh, Layla Ali, another beautiful, fine specimen of a woman, and Christina yeah. Martin, who both happened to have been, what, American. Uh, unfortunately, like 2K says, Cecilia Barkis wasn't the one to do it, and she is outstandingly fine. But she wasn't, yeah. unfortunately, able to do it. But the last two women that was able to do it were, um, they were both American. The only issue that I see Clarissa Shields having is Christy Martin and Layla Ali at least could knock people out. Um, Chris, Chris right. Shields can she can knock you out, but she 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 her style isn't to knock you out. She's such a slick box. If you watch her, and I say it all the time, she doesn't sit down on her punches. Cecilia Mathis, when she sat down on her punches, well, we uh, Cecilia Brockes, when she sits down on her punches, well, we saw what she can do against Mathis. And it's the same thing with Shields. Shields doesn't really sit down on a punch. She's more like on the heel of her toes, switching from offense to defense. You know, she she likes to dominate you in that fashion because that's her style of fighting. So 
So I'm I'm hoping that that style that she has and her being a, an American female can translate into some kind of successful female boxing. Um, but uh, I mean, she has the personality, she has the charisma. Now it's just a matter of does she have the style. But I I truly hope this works out because you know, to, like Two K said, you know, you you know these female fighters in boxing as a whole. You know, we need to pay attention to it because they are good. As Like when I watch females fight, they are fundamentally sound. A lot of them are very fundamentally sound, and that's kind of what the sport needs right now. All right, and we'll pass it over to your partner, Crime uh, Bernard, on this one, man. Uh, let me get your thoughts on this fight or, or her turning pro, as well as uh, what do you think of her prospects uh, as a professional fighter? As well as her prospects, I think she'll do well. I mean, I'm not going to regurgitate what the other guys just said. Just um, I'm looking forward to seeing her because I will be in Vegas to uh, see that fight. She's the war cover that fight, but it's great to see that she's also on the undercard as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm, I mean, I'm really excited just to get to hear the news. So that's all, man. I'm just excited about it. seeing something totally different other than just guys like American, American, African American female. And another African American female who has the potential of being a star in the uh, sport of boxing. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, um, I definitely got to agree with you on that one. She's only what, 21 years old and, uh, you know, already a two time gold medalist. Um, the girl's bad skill wise. Um, she she gang with the dudes, I think. You know, that's, that's how good oh, she yeah. is from what I've seen. And, uh, I'm looking forward to her seeing her in the professional ranks. I think her style translates perfectly, perfectly, being able to counter move, you know, uh, her upper body and, you know, uh, lower torso movement, period. You know, like she, she's very swift, and uh, I think her, her style translates perfectly to the pro game, and it can make for an exciting style um, from what I've seen of her in the Olympics. Um, she definitely can be become a poster child for for women's boxing. You know they parlay this right. You know, uh, you know they got to go through the process like they do with the with the fellas. You know, the matchmaking and letting her build herself properly. You know, don't don't throw her in there too early. Even though she may be there skill wise, you want her to get adjusted the right way. So I'm interested to see how her her management actually plays this because there is a Actually, some concern that she was, you know, going to go to a third Olympic Games in what 2020. So, you know, uh, I'm interested to see how our management plays everything. Um, I wish this was an actual televised part of the Rock Nation pay per view, which it isn't, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, we're we're going to miss out on this um, unless there's some kind of some stream available before. The, the pay-per-view card actually starts, but um, that's probably my one regret about this happening, you know. That will bring us to our next topic. Um, we looked the other week, we mentioned that Luis Ortiz had recently signed with Max Room Boxing, you know, with Eddie Hearn. Um, his first match was announced uh, over the past week, which will be uh, his debut on the matchroom boxing banner. Um, he'll be going against veteran Malik Scott. Um, let me go ahead and send it to Bo to start off on this one, man. What you think of this fight? Um, 
Yeah, let me get your take on it. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a very, it's a very good fight. Malik Scott, he's he's not a, he's not a pushover, but I um I think Malik Scott would be a good test for uh, Luis Ortiz, especially given the fact that Luis Ortiz hasn't fought in a long time. And if you really want to be able to like some showcase some Luis Ortiz skill, when uh, Malik Scott is definitely a good opponent. He's a quality opponent. Um, he's not one of the top dudes in the division right now, but I think he's durable. He's a decent opponent, and uh, if you're going to move forward with Luis Ortiz, this is the opponent that you want to do it with. Uh, hopefully he gets a, you know, you're hoping that he gets a dramatic knockout, and, and that way you can draw more interest in him and see what happens next. Uh, at the same time, this is also a fight Malik Scott, you know, he wanted. I remember a while back Malik Scott had, had wanted to fight Luis Ortiz, you know, some time ago. So that's a very interesting, you know, so it, it's good to finally see some guy in there with Luis Ortiz that actually wants to be in there with him because he feels that Luis Ortiz isn't tested. He feels that, you know, there's some chinks in Luis Ortiz's armor that he sees. So that's, I mean, anytime you get a guy that's going into a fight that has a game plan and not scared, we could definitely, we could possibly well see something very interesting. So I like the matchup. Um, like I say, they didn't pick a pushover guy, but they did pick a guy who can probably test him. I don't see Luis Ortiz having a problem with him because one thing about Malik Scott is, you know, yeah, um, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say he has a weak chin, but he can be knocked out. You can hit him. He's not the fleetest of feet. He needs to work on his defense a little bit. And he has a tendency, every now and then, he has a tendency. When he throws that jab out, he leaves that jab out just a little bit too long. And that can be bad against a guy like Lewis Ortiz. So, all in all, to me, it's a good matchup. And um, I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens to. Uh, where's Lewis Ortiz from again? <laughs> uh, we're not going to go there. Cuba Loca. Cuba Loca, starting again. Uh, let me go ahead and pass it over to 2K on this one, man. What's your, what's your thoughts on this fight as is, uh, as far as this being his debut for match room, um, the fight against Malik Scott? Um, there's two things. There's two sides of this, man. My, one side of me is, like, it's a good fight um, for match room to go ahead and showcase their newest um, addition to the family over there in the U.K., uh, Mr. Luis Ortiz, if people don't already know who the fuck he is. The other side of me is like, man, fuck this fight. Like, first of all, I, don't, I disagree with what Bo said as far as Malik Scott not being a pushover. First of all, I guess my man forgot what the fuck Deontay Wilder did. <laughs> 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 you, mean, oh, I mean, you mean the I mean, WBC champion Deontay Wilder? Hold up, hold up. I'm about to tell you why he's a pushover. It's not just because of Deontay Wilder. Before that, uh-huh. I guess you forgot what Derek Chisora did to him. Derek Chisora, yeah. Year, not, e- not even a year before that. Derek Chisora knocked this dumb motherfucker down, right? Malik Scott is laying on the goddamn ground, you know, gets up, goes to his butter's knees. I can't remember exactly. But the referee is like six, seven, eight, nine motherfuckers. Then he gets up, tries to get up real fast at nine. Referee counts him out. And he's like, what the fuck? Nigga, you stayed on the ground too damn long. Because your chin is weak. And then two fights later, we see him, you know, dance around the ring until Deontay Wilder barely grazes his fucking chin. He probably hit him harder than that, but I'm just talking shit. You know, Deontay Wilder hits him, knocks him out in the first round. Looked like he took a dive. I don't want to see this bullshit-ass fight. He is a pushover. And to even further prove my point that he's a pushover, Luis, Luis Ortiz is scheduled to fight one month later after the Malik Scott fight. He fights Malik Scott November 12th. And he's scheduled to fight 
December 10th. <laughs> they looking past this motherfucker like, yeah, hurry up and knock this nigga out so we could get you in the ring with somebody else in Manchester. Damn. Right away, 
Um, some of it is the politics game, like 2K was saying, uh, with the WBA. Uh, their whole issue over there is mess with in that as far as the heavyweight division is concerned. I brought that up on several of our shows. Um, with that, within that division period, the WBA just has too much, too much going on. Um, but there's no need for a tournament the way they're trying to drag it out. You know, you know who who needs to be fucking fighting for these for this damn title. The way I look at it, you know, um, I agree. So just leave it at that. Um, that they definitely need to get their shit together though soon, especially concerning that that heavyweight division. Um, it is pretty bad right now. Um, now I'll bring us to our next topic of the night. Um, we had another. Uh, announced fight, ha- uh, a fight announcement over over the past week. Uh, B Hop will be making what I guess is his farewell fight against uh, Joe Smith Jr., who beat uh, Andres Fanfara uh, in probably the surprise knockout of the year. He'll be fighting Bernard Hopkins in this farewell fight, uh, from what it's looking like. Uh, let me go ahead and pass it over to Bo on this one, man. Let me get your take on uh, B-Hop's farewell fight. And uh, it, it definitely seems like a credible foe considering what, how he shocked us against Von Um Is this a fight that you're, you're, you're cool seeing uh, B-Hop go out on? I have absolutely, positively, 100% no problem with Bernard Hopkins, who has given everything he has to this sport who has fought some of the top dudes out there that there is to fight. And uh, pretty much uh, 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 somebody who, even at the advanced age of 50, was still getting there with top-level fighters. I have no problem with Bernard Hopkins taking a fight like this. Uh, like you said, Joe Smith had the surprise knockout when he knocked out from Florida in uh, some place in America. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, that was one of the surprise victories. <laughs> <laughs> Some place in America. Yeah, yeah, that definitely was a random sale. Uh, it was in Chicago. It was not in Chicago. Excuse me. Excuse me. Do I talk with y'all talking? I put my shirt on. Do I talk with y'all talking? Some place in America. But I don't have any problem with it. Um. Uh, and and when you really look at it, uh, he's fighting a guy that's coming off a win. He is fighting a guy that can hit very, that, that can obviously hit very hard. I just don't think he has the skill set. Even at the age of fifty, I don't think Joe Smith has the skill set to match with Bernard. So it's a good fight for Bernard. It's a good experience for Joe Smith to fight someone of that level and see where he goes from there uh, because he is in the hundred seventy five pound division now. So I I like it. I think it's a good fight for Bernard. And again. I have no problems with someone like Bernard Hopkins who has given us everything he's got in front of everybody, picking, and he's picking a guy coming off of a big win. He ain't picking no slouch. He's picking a dude coming off of a big win who is young and can crack. So I like it. A good experience for Joe Smith, and, uh, man, I can't wait to watch it. All right, I'm going to pass it over to our panels, Bernard. Uh, you actually were at the Von Farah, uh joe Smith fight, I believe. Um, so I definitely want to get your take on on what you see with this fight happening, it being announced, um, it, whether he's suitable or not. 
do you consider him being suitable even with the Bonfire uh, surprise knockout victory? Uh, What's your whole thought process, man? Um, Let me say this. I do feel like Joe Smith is a suitable opponent for Bernard Hopkins. I don't expect it to be, what's the word, the same outcome as the Fonfair fight. Yes, he caught Fonfair with a, a counter left hook that knocked that knocked him down. But I believe just let's, let's look at it like this. This is experience. He's facing a, a very experienced fighter in um in Hopkins. So we, as we knew over time, as Hopkins progressed in his career, he changed his style. So expect Bernard Hopkins to be a little more defensive. I don't think he was going to really engage him like Fonfair did. It's gonna be more. It's gonna be more. I expect more boxing from a boxing standpoint of view. More trying to counter, set up traps and do a lot of counter punching on that um, point for um, for Hawkins to uh, get the win over uh, not Hawkins, excuse me, Joe Smith. But I do see Joe Smith coming in, putting the pressure on him. Hopefully, try to get a knockdown on Hawkins. I mean, this is gonna be one of those fights. I hate to say this. But I'm gonna go on and say it anyway. I think it's a 50-50 fight because when I say this, because when I looked at the when I saw the Fonfair and Joseph, I'm thinking, okay, Fonfair is gonna come in there, he's gonna outbox him, he's gonna get the win. I didn't think it was gonna be a knockout, but boom, Joseph shocked the world. So with that being said, I, I see this being as a 50-50. I see Joseph coming in, using putting the pressure, using his body, putting his body on Hawkins, fighting him on the inside. Whereas I can see Bernard Hawkins. Dictating the pace, keeping the range, and boxing him. Hmm, interesting comments there. Uh, 2K, man. Let me get you thoughts <laughs> on, uh, on what Bernard just put out there. Um, definitely some uh, interesting comments, man. Um, I can't you know, say I disagree or agree with them, you know, necessarily, but I definitely can understand their stance. So uh, let me get your thoughts, 2K. Yeah, and that's that's why. That's why I'm laughing because he actually has an excellent point. I mean, um, you look at this fight on paper, it's like but you tell you tell a boxing enthusiast that a guy like Joe Smith Jr. has a shot at beating Bernard Hopkins, he's going to do exactly what I just did and tell you you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You must not know who Bernard Hopkins is. Um, the only reason why I actually give that that um, that thought process any credibility is because Joe Smith Jr. can fucking crack. I can't remember what interview. I mean, of course, we saw it against Andre Fonfara. But uh, my co-host, uh, Seth, he told me about a specific interview. And I remember that. I just can't remember which one it was. A long time ago, um, one of the YouTubers was interview- interviewing a guy at a specific gym. And the guy said, yeah, man, we, you know, we got this guy here named, you know, Joe. And I'm going crack. And we didn't know it was him until after the Fonfara fight. The guy said... <laughs> Yeah, the guy specifically said that Joe is knocking motherfuckers out and sparring. Um, and we figured that out after the pump bar fight. But uh, the reason why I give it credibility is because Bernard Hopkins has slipped uh, tremendously, and it was seen in the, the Kovalev fight. Um, he looked good in the first two round, or in the first round. Then in the second round, I believe, is when he got caught by a big shot, and then he became defensive all the way from round two to round 12, and I think round 12 is a round that he actually looked good. I think round 11, too. I can't really remember out the top, but the whole point is he was defensive for, like, fucking nine rounds. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
the, the same shit could happen here. Now, of course, Joe Smith Jr. is nowhere near on the same level as a Sergey Kovalev. But at the same time, I'm worried about whether or not he gets caught with a shot. Will he do the same thing? Like I said, if Joe Smith can crack, we've got people that have uh, testified to that. Uh, Fonfara laid down after getting cracked by him. So, I mean, what will happen if he actually touches a 50-plus-year-old Bernard Hopkins? Will he go on the defensive and possibly give up that fight? Um, so that's why his, his argument gets credibility. But in reality, Bernard Hopkins is going to outbox sit out this motherfucker. It's going to be pretty much, in my opinion, should be an easy win for him. Uh, 12-round unanimous decision. I'll probably have Joseph Jr. maybe winning two rounds, and that's just because Bernard Hopkins took the rounds off just to wave at a motherfucker in the crowd or something. Um, but I I don't see this fight 50-50 by any means. Um, this fight, Joe Smith has the definition of a puncher's chance, um, and it's even less than a puncher's chance because you're not knocking Bernard Hopkins out. So he has a puncher's chance to make Bernard Hopkins gunshine go on the defensive. So, uh, no, I, I, I don't see this 50 pity. I think Bernard wins this fight easily. Not for uh, – am I upset about the fight? Not at all. He's done everything he's done in his career, like Bo, uh, Bo mentioned. Um, at one point, it was supposed to be for uh, Joe Smith's international WBC title, but I guess they took that off the table. So now it's just a regular fight. Um, but if it was for the WBC International, I was saying that he wasn't even going to retire because he was going to be then possibly the mandatory for Adonis Stevenson. But with that off the table, there's a possibility he could really be leaving the sport. So if this is his farewell fight, it's fine by me, man, and I'll be I'll be watching. I definitely got to agree with that there, man. I can't be mad about this being a swan song for uh, for B-Hop at all. I know there was talks about him fighting a lot of other possible Fighters. I know he wanted a title fight to go out, um, which wasn't feasible at 175. Um, I thought he was actually going to try and go to, well, didn't he skip 168? Yeah. I, you know, I thought he was possibly going to try and go to 168 to get a title there or, you know, to, to take a fight there because I was the one that eluded him in his career. Um but I'm definitely not mad about this fight. Joe Smith is on, you know, he got the hot win against the uh, Um and probably the upset of the year from, from what I've seen so far at all the fights. Um, you hear people uh, talking about his power, and, you know, he's been mentioned, you know, by a lot of people, you know. So, you know, I guess it's no surprise that he's actually starting to, to do the things he's doing with his career. Um, so he's just capitalizing on his career right now. Um, I definitely can understand Bernard's point. You know, if you get a guy that's going to be aggressive offensively there uh, in there against this hop at this age, um, it's, it's definitely something to be worried about in the back of your head. Um, B-Hop is wily enough to deal with that, I think, though. So. You know, he proved that against Sergey Kovalev. You know, he could survive that, and I don't, See, uh, I don't necessarily see uh, Joe bringing anything to the table, you know, that will, you know, overwhelm B-Hop in this fight. So um, I definitely think it's a fight that he should win by unanimous unanimous decision, just being able to counter him and use his, you know, his wily veteran tactics, you know. Um, 
Yeah. I want to um, say something. I got a question I want to propose on this topic. Hypothetically speaking, if Joe Smith is the win, is the win, will that be the upset of the year over Bernard Hopkins? Nah, yeah. nah. No, nah. Well, okay. Well, hold on. Let me say this statement. Will that make him? I don't want to say. Will possibly a fighter of the year candidate? No. Nah, nah, no. not at this stage of Biaf's career. Uh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't really. I think, do that I think you would have I to mention it. Maybe case. as yeah. he has a cases fighter of the year, I definitely give you that because you are talking yeah. about Bernard Hopkins. Nobody's ever knocked him out, so if he does knock out Bernard Hopkins, yeah, I, I he definitely has a case. Yeah, he definitely yeah, has a case if he knocks him out. I give you that. It. It's not even just that he's got a case because it's two wins against two guys. Where he is like a fucking twelve to one underdog. That's, that's that means in, mm. in twelve fights. I didn't think about that. You're right. Yeah, this motherfucker will lose eleven. You know what I'm saying? Against both of these guys, and he goes in there and knocks both of them out. Oh hell yeah, he's got a major case for fighter of the year. It doesn't okay. even matter if these fights are not for fucking major titles or not. It's just the fact that he's not seen as a guy that should be winning these fights, and he's winning them I in the best him, best he can I would easily give him prospect of the year for for this kind of thing. I won't. I still won't say he'd be fighter of the year based on Frampton's T-wins from this year. I can't put anything above those two, even with him, Joe Smith winning, you know, against B-Hop. Um, I'd mm-hmm. definitely give him prospect of the year, though, you know, if he was able to win this. Cause it'd be, you know, the only other thing you could give him, possibly, you know, considering what he's going against in Frampton's year. I'd have to disagree on that one, Twan. The reason I have to disagree on that one because Frampton, you can, Frampton versus Quig, there was a, you could make a case that Frampton could have beat Quig. It was 50-50. Frampton versus Leo Santa Cruz, the exact same thing. Like, you're not going to find a whole bunch of people that, that, that was going to say that, you know, uh, there was no way Frampton could beat Leo Santa Cruz. You know, 50, right. you know another 50-50 fight. This is a fight where he was clearly, the, uh, like, he was given no chance to win. You know, like right. 2K said, no. Right. Like I was, I even looked past him with Fafada. I looked past Joe Smith Everybody for Fafada to be looking at, to, for him to be fighting uh, 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 with the the W uh, the Donald Stevens. So now, yeah. if he goes and knocks Bernard Hopkins out, he has, yeah, he has a very strong case, man. I mean, I get what you're I, saying, but I, yeah, he has a case. I disagree on the whole prospect of the, the idea of prospect of the year because you give a guy prospect of a year who's been beating other prospect type opponents or contenders. These guys are fucking former world champions, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Andre Fanfara, he has has he been a world champion before? I'm not sure. Nah, no, he nah, hasn't. He's been, nah, Fanfara, nah. Yeah, no, Fanfara, this is the number one contender. That's all. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, Fanfara has never been a world champion, but he's he's been a contender. Uh, yeah. For a world title, yeah. he is—he's a guy that has been mentioned as one of the best in his division. Okay, prospects don't beat those guys to get prospect of the year. They beat gatekeepers and other prospects. So I can't—I think he'd be above that title if he fucking goes in there and knocks out a first ballot Hall of Famer. I—I <laughs> I, I, just—I I don't know if I give him fight of the year, but he does have an argument. Okay. Yeah, like that's what I'm okay. saying. Like okay. you can't get you can't give him fighter of the year. So I'm like, it's got to be something, a, you know. He has an argument, though. Yeah. Argument, so. 
definitely agree with you there. He definitely can make a strong case, but I, I can't see anything above uh, Frampton, you know, this year, you know, beating two undefeated titles. Um, yeah, I, I can't see, you know, Diaz not a titleist right now or anything of that nature. It's, it's just a swan song for him. And, you know, yeah. you saw this kind of thing with uh, Terry Norris against uh, – Ray Leonard, I don't see this fight necessarily going like that, but, you know, um, it's definitely one of those dangerous fights you don't want to see, see him take. But, you know, that's been B-Hop all his career. You know, he's not going to dodge a challenge, and I think this is an excellent fight for him to take, you know, for a swan song. I can't be mad at him at all. <clears throat> um, that's going to swing us to our next topic, man. Uh we we got a a couple things to dive in on this one. Um, this is pretty in depth. Uh, we've had uh, his trainer on Julian J. Rock Williams. Uh, you know we have Bradman Edwards on to discuss this fight. It looks like it's finally coming to fruition. We got a date, a venue, a promoter. We we gonna get into all that on this one. But with that said, uh. It was recently announced, you know, we got a date for the Julian J. Rock Williams versus Jamal Charlo uh, junior welterweight or uh, junior middleweight title fight um, that a lot of us has been looking forward to for for months now. Um, Also, on the undercard, we'll have uh, Abner Mares taking on uh, Jesus Cuellar for a title fight as well. So this is definitely a great card, December 10th in L.A. Um, it marks the return of Richard Schaefer's uh, return to the promotion <laughs> game after being away for a couple of years. So, you know, I want to get everybody's thoughts on this in, in, in totality. Um, let me go ahead and start with Bernard on this one, man. Mm. Which, um... Which part do you want me to start on the Richard Schaefer part or just um, hey, hey, just, just your thoughts on the fight finally coming to, to fruition, having the date, a venue, and uh, Richard Schaefer's return as well? Well, I'm actually glad for the J-Rock and Charlo fight for that finally to be settled after Charlo's having an issue with the eye surgery and everything like that and demanding all these, making these all these type of demands. This, I'm glad to see this happen. It's his mandatory defense. <coughs> and uh, I, I, I'm going to call the fight a 50 50 in my opinion. I've been currently trying to look for this particular video where they broke down J Rock online. If anybody can see it, uh, just send it to me. Um, because well, they, was it, da- it might be Danger Zone. Uh, Mal- that might be Malachi's. Um, I think I might have seen that video. Yeah, broke down, broke down, broke down him on, on his. Every single aspect. So I was trying to uh, look for that one and also compare uh, Jamal and, and try to make bring the assessment to this. But I, like I said, as right as right now, it stands to me fifty fifty, and I do see Jay Wright as being as a potential danger to to Charlo, but it can also go the other way around too. Uh, as for Quayla and Morris, um, there's a fifty fifty fight as well. I'm going to pick with my pick with Morris. But I wanted to speak on the Schaefer uh, thing. I think it's a good thing to see Richard Schaefer back into the uh, back into the business of promoting boxing. It's another promoter, but the only issue I have with this is 
I would like to see him in his Cold War with top-ranked Bob Aaron. So you could potentially see if he is going to be a promoter, is he going to um, eventually snatch up all the fighters on the PBC and put them on the hit promotion company? And if he d- does do that, is it going to still be a Cold War between him and him? I really don't want to see that. I will hopefully let you let things go and hopefully work with Bob Aaron. That's a goal I'm hoping to see with Schaefer. If he's in, that's the only thing I'm really concerned about with him coming back right now. Other than that, I think it's a good thing for boxing. Interesting perspective on the Schaefer analysis. Um, let me go ahead and pass it over to the 2K, man. Let me get your thoughts on the, 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 the whole uh, everything about this, man, you know. Well, uh, as far as the uh, Charlo J-Rock fight, man, I'm going to stick with my pick on there until I, I look at some more footage of uh, training camp. And even then, it might not even matter because it really boils down to what Bradman was talking about um, in terms of J-Rock and us fans not seeing everything that J-Rock has to offer in, in his arsenal. Um, I probably mentioned this on the podcast before or on my channel. Um, but what I'm about to say, I've said it before. If J-Rock um, what we have not seen yet, if it has doesn't have anything to do with him being a boxer from the outside, utilizing his jab, using utilizing lateral movement, um, counter punching ability, then it really not going to help him in this in this Charlo fight because <clears throat> the blueprint on Jamal is you need to outbox this guy. He has that alpha male mentality, kind of like you know J Rock has from Philly, but I think Jamal Charlo, uh, given his experience he will win the alpha male battle between him and J-Rock, regardless of the fact that he's from Philly. Um, so, and then and, and the Austin Trout fight, Austin Trout showed that if you step back and, and jab this motherfucker, he's susceptible to the jab. I mean, he's going to run into the jab all night long. So, if, unless Charlo goes in there and, I mean, I'm sorry, J-Rock goes in there and boxes Charlo, I think it'll be a good fight. I still think it'll be a close fight but I think Charlo takes the win. If he goes in there and boxes him, I think he has a better shot of taking the fight uh, with a wider margin. Um, so that's, that's, that's really where I'm at with that fight. As far as Mars and uh, Cuellar, man, Cuellar has turned over a new leaf since he got knocked out by Oscar Cannon back in 2011, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> much better fighter. Yeah, much better fighter than what he was back then. Um much more well-rounded. I mean, he's not great defensively, man, but he's got fast-sized hands. He's got good footwork, those combinations and bunches. Um, and that's actually uh, how you can beat Abner Mares, man, if you if you bring on the volume. Now, I know uh, Johnny Gonzalez didn't necessarily have to do that because he knocked his ass out real quick in the first round. But with Leo Santa Cruz, a fight that was a, a majority decision, in my opinion, it shouldn't have been Santa Cruz won that fight, you know, walking away. Um, he, he overloaded him with volume, and I think that's what uh, Cuellar is going to be doing in that fight. So I got Cuellar in that fight. Plus, I think Abner Mares, I think he's a little shot. Um, yeah, he's not agreed. the same. He's, yeah, he's not He's not the same Abner Mares that fucked up my dude. You know what I'm saying? Uh, everybody knows who my guy is, and Samuel Moreno. Uh, he's yeah. not the same dude that fucked him up. So uh, he'd have to dig down deep and try to become the Abner Mares of of back then in order to be a guy like Cuellar. But you never know it's boxing. As far as Richard Schaefer, I think it's great for boxing. Um, I've seen a lot of people out there talking about the return of Richard Schaefer is going to fuck up 
um, uh, uh, how do I say, not negotiations, but relationships uh, between Al Heyman and other uh, promotional companies like Top Rank currently because Richard Schaefer has a bad rep with these people. Man, look here, man. Unless the shit actually happens, there's nothing that we can actually speculate. I mean, all we could do is speculate and put it that way. There's no factual evidence that him coming back is going to fuck up relationships in boxing. So with that said, anything, he's another source that can help promote fights and make big fights that we've been waiting on and that we've been, you know, looking to get made. So any source that comes in or any entity that comes into the sport that is able to make that type of shit happen, we should applaud. So that's what I'm doing. I'm applauding his return. And, you know, as far as that goes, uh, you know, Aram has said him and Heyman are talking directly. You know, so right. it has shit to do with the promoter. The promoter just going to do his job on the back end. And, you know, as yep. far as this, the way this business model goes, you know, Heyman is the matchmaker. You know, so, you know, if Aaron come to an agreement, the promoter has nothing to do with it but go with it and make this motherfucking money. You know what I'm saying? Especially if yep. it's a big fight, you know, between Top Rank and, and PBC-branded fighters, you know, such as uh, the Crawford, Broner, possibility to see next year, depending on how things turn out. Um, let me go ahead and pass it over to Bo. Let me get your thoughts. We did a, actually did a one of your shows last week on the Richard Schaefer return as well. Um, so I definitely want to get your perspective on all of this, man. Yeah, man. Um, first of all, um, as far as the J-Rock and uh, Charlo brother fight go, I have been advocating for J-Rock winning this fight then. I'm going to advocate for it now. But let me just say something here. Uh, 2K is right about one thing. The Charlo brother that J-Rock is fighting, he has some dog in him also. Uh, the Charlo brother that J-Rock is fighting, you know, he ain't no punk. Uh, you know, like he said, with the battle of the alpha males, you know, he was in there with Austin Trout in a tough fight, and he just seemed to be laser-focused. Uh, you know, he didn't seem like he was coming apart or crumbling. So even when it wasn't going his way. But uh, J- man, J-Rock has it in him. He wants it bad. And it's good to see a fight, two young guys, undefeated guys, title on the line going at it. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm riding with J-Rock because I, I, I just feel like there's something J-Rock has it in him. But the 2K point, this is what he's not – my biggest fear is because J-Rock has said this, and we had his trainer on, on, on the phone, and J-Rock has said that he knows he can beat uh, Charlo. So my biggest fear is he goes in there, and he's over-anxious, over-excited, and he does something – and he gets caught. That's my biggest fear. He gets caught. That's yeah. my big like. If he go in there like he did the one guy that he knocked out in the first round, yeah. if he go in there like yeah. that, no, Charlo can catch him, and Charlo can beat him. Just, just listen. One thing people yeah. have to understand: both these Charlo boys, they're big, hundred and fifty-four pound dudes. They're tall. They, you know, they. I, I think this Charlo brother is probably one of the better, uh, better puncher, and he's probably a little bit, maybe even the better mover. So, J-Rock, if J-Rock go in there and he doesn't go in there trying to box him, trying to move, if he go in there trying to be silly, there's a good chance, man, that could backfire on him, uh, on him against Charlo. Ronnie Shields is going to have Charlo well prepared. Um, uh, now, to the Abner Mares and Cuellar fight, listen, I got Cuellar. I questioned, and I, I, I've, I've said this, Abner Mares jumped from 118 straight to 126. I thought that was a huge mistake for him then because, um, he went 
from 118 straight to 126. And although he was okay at 118, we really didn't get to see the best of Adam Mares. And he, he, he left 118. He skipped 122. And, you know, there's speculation as to why. Went right to 126 where he started having some of these harder fights. He got some knockouts. So I'm questioning, like 2K said, I'm questioning, is he shot? What's left in the tank? Because remember, he's, also, he's coming off a loss to Leo Santa Cruz, okay? Right. So what's left in the tank? And he's, he's going to go against Cuellar, who hasn't lost a fight since 2011. or Was it 11 or 12? It was, I think it might have been 2011. Okay, yeah. 2011. He hasn't lost fights in 2011. All right, he got in there. He ran over Big Darchinian, okay? So um, he's, um, he's not another, you know, he's another guy. He's, he's, he fights to his size. He fights to his strengths. So I just wonder, does Abner Mares have enough in the tank to overcome a guy like Hazel Coyle, who's been on this run streak, who's at the top of his game, and who's run into a fight with a high wave of confidence because he hasn't lost in 2011. Mares just lost to Leo Santa Cruz. So that's going to be in the back of his mind going into this fight if he gets down because when he got down against Santa Cruz, he got kind of reckless and careless. He may go into this fight doing the same thing. And I always tell everybody, the mental state, the mental state is where a fight is won. And if Mares is not in the right mental state of mind, he could possibly, I mean, he could very well wind up losing this fight, let alone probably getting knocked out. So I got Koyal winning this fight. Uh, me and you talked about the return of Richard Schaefer. Listen, uh, I think it's a good thing. I think it's something everybody was waiting on. Now, there, there, there uh, were some people who were saying, like 2K said, that Schaefer could bring back the Cold War, blah, 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 and all of this and all of that. Look, Schaefer don't have to deal with Bob Evans. If Bob Evans and Al Heyman, like you said, talk directly. So if they talk directly, Bob Aaron could probably promote this fight. Or, or he could say, hey, you know what, I'm going to let Lou DeBella promote this fight because I know you got issues with Aram Schaefer, so I'll let Lou DeBella do this fight. So there, there's so mm-hmm. many ways that this can happen where it don't have to go through Schaefer, him being involved. But here's one thing that everybody got down that really, really need to understand, okay? The one thing that moves everything in this fucking world is money. And Schaefer is yep. starting out with his own company, which means he's going to need some money to keep this company going. I said this then, I'll say it now. Richard Schaefer coming back promoting and working with a P, working with PBC. Okay, he's gonna and number one. He's gonna have to watch his step because if, if if everything everybody's saying is true, then PBC is the only is is the only entity that's able to deal with Richard Schaefer. So he's gonna have to watch his toes on that one because we know he ain't gonna be able to deal with nobody else if what everybody says is true. But also at the same time, um, Richard Schaefer is smart. As you get older, we hope that you get wiser. He's been on the sideline. He adds some straight legitimacy to PBC because people know he can put together big fights. But at the same time, Schaefer knows, hey, I have to watch my toes. I'm back. And, I I mean, we don't know. Maybe he amended some of that stuff while he was out. We don't know. It wasn't getting reported. But he's smart. He's starting his business. He needs some cachet, and he needs some cash. Well, you can't do that on your own making enemies. So I think it's a good thing. We just have to wait and see what happens. Um, let me go ahead and throw in my, my little uh two cents on this. I guess I'll start with uh Mares Quayar. Um, Mares just hasn't impressed me, period, in in a very long time. You know, even in his interim fights between uh you know, uh going against um Santa Cruz, like, you know, he's been on a lot of T B C cards. 
um, featured on him. Like, he just hasn't impressed me in any of those fights. Um, since being, you know, announced as one of the feature fighters of the brand, um, like, he hasn't impressed me in any of them. He struggled again in quite a few of his fights. Um, of course, the loss to the Santa Cruz. Um, the detached retina, I think, might be a bigger problem, considering he couldn't get uh, state-approved, you know, for for the fight previously. That was supposed to happen uh, with Cuellar earlier this year. Um, so it, it might be a bigger detriment than being led on. Um, at this time in Cuellar's career, um, I just don't see Mares having the, the, the goal you know, to, to, to really do it. Like, he has the, the toughness. You know, he's a tough fighter. He's scrappy. But this Cuellar is just peak, he's peaking at, at a great level right now, man. And I just don't see Marez beating him right right now. Um, but it's definitely a good fight for him. I'm, I'm happy he was able to get another title shot. But I'd like to see it come to an end with this one, you know, especially if Cuellar is, a, you know, victorious um, yeah, Marez needs to needs to hang it up, man. You know, he, he's called out a lot of guys at 126, and you know he he's gotten his shots, man. But he hasn't looked impressive in in, in a very long time, you know. Um, but I'll take it on to the the other fight, the main event of the card, J Rock versus uh, Jamal Charlo. Um. You know what, TK brought up a good point, you know, considering uh, the trial fight showed that boxing and making him think in the ring might be something that causes him problems. And that's not really a skill set we've had to see from J-Rock yet. I don't think it's something, I think it's something that is in his skill set. We just haven't had to see it yet. Um, Breadman certainly led on that he has a lot of other tools we haven't seen. And, you know, like I've said, uh, you know, other times, I see a lot of old school in uh, NJ Rock, you know. So I think he he's, he can do it all when pressed. Um, with that said, um, it's really going to be interesting to see stylistically how it plays out. If uh, J-Rock goes on uh, what T.K. was saying and tries to box on the outside with him and take that uh, strategy that Trout used to box and make him think. But the thing is, J-Rock's not as rangy as Trout either. You know, he's not as rangy. So, you know, it's not something I don't think he'll be able to do against Charlo, who's huge as hell for 154. Um, And, you know, J-Rock going hard on the inside or in the pocket could be to his detriment as well, you know, which could give Charlo a lot more confidence to fire off. You know, he didn't let his right hand go a lot against Trout, you know, because he was boxing him. You know, uh, if J-Rod goes all in in the pocket, it's definitely going to be there open for him a lot more for Charlo to use. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out stylistically. Um, something is still telling me to go with J-Rock in this one, though. Like, I just, it's just something telling me there's a lot we haven't seen in this game. 
Um, you know, my man Malachi with over at Danger Zone, like we we both said this, he's got a lot of old school to him, old school Philly for real. You know, mm-hmm. um, Philly Philly needs him to win this too. You know, they've been taking a lot of L's and and, and everything. So, I want to propose a question, guys. With how that Keith Thurman and Sean Porter fight end up possibly being a, a fight of the year candidate, can this Charlo Williams have that same effect as well with, with the issue they got between each other? It's definitely uh, it's plausible, you know. Um, it's definitely plausible, but I don't think they'll get that credibility just because of where their names are in the game compared to Thurman and Porter. Okay. So, you know, ultimately I think it would go to them over, even if it was an exciting fight, you know, which it, it definitely can be. Um, you know, I definitely see a lot of dogs in J-Rock. So if he has to, to, to get grit down, you know, both him, I think both him and Charlo can do it, you know. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see, man. But definitely I don't see them getting out for fight of the year just because of where their names are in the game, you know, compared to, to others that you mentioned in that in that question, Bernard. I think, um, I think I think if they I think if they fight the way I don't if Charlo fights the way I don't not Charlo damn if J Rock fights the way I don't want him to fight, I think they do have a chance to make it fight of the year. He goes in there and tries to pull that Philly Alpha Male shit against uh Jamal and they both coming together, clashing and shit, I think that's when that fight could be fight of the year. But if he fights the way that I think he could win, um, at least on like a 115, 113, 116, 112 type of scorecard, then that won't be the fight of the year type of fight. So it just, it just depends on how – I think it depends on how they, they, they approach the fight, man. Charlo Charlo's going to approach it the same way. So it really depends on how J-Rock approaches the fight. Yeah, and something's telling me he's looking to make, him a, make a statement with this fight more than any of them that he's had yeah. in the past. So, you know, like uh, Bradman mentioned him using anger in one of his fights. I don't think that's something he needs to do in this one, but he definitely feel, I think I definitely feel like he has like a huge chip on his shoulder, like he has something to prove with this fight, you know, because he's been waiting in the wings for a minute for this, you know, to get his Let's keep one shot. thing in mind, though. Let's keep one thing in mind. Uh, uh, Charlo does have the more experience than J-Rock, but also, J-Rock, when you waited a long time to get at a guy, you're antsy, you're very anxious. Regardless of what yeah. your trainer's telling you, regardless of what you do in the gym, all of that, once you get in that ring, like, uh, I, I, I think it was uh, Lennox Lewis or Mike Tyson said, you know, once you get in that ring, everybody has a game plan until, until that first punch is thrown. So Mike once you get in that ring, that. yeah, okay, right. Once you get in that ring, all that shit you worked on in training could possibly go out the window because he's going to be so anxious because he's been waiting so long. And, you know, we heard what his trainer said. J-Rod probably feels the same way. This, this, this motherfucker full of shit with his eye and all yeah. that shit. He's full of shit, you know. And if he <laughs> go in there like that, man, it could be, man, I mean, I'm still picking him. But I will not be shocked if Charlo comes out the victor in this fight. Definitely agreed. And as far as Richard Schaefer being back in the game, it's great for boxing. You know, uh, you know when he was with Golden Boy in the latter stages of it, 
he was running everything, you know, matchmaking, all that. You know, the man knows his shit. Um, I know he, even though he hasn't been involved, he's been paying attention to the players as far as, uh, you know, coming up with possible matchmaking scenarios and other things. Um, the promotional side, he excels with these things already. You know, Golden Boy was uh, at his height with him pretty much running day-to-day operations. You know, Coke Boy De La Hoya was doing whatever. So let's just remember that. You know, the Golden Boy was at his peak with him and Heyman working together. Um, the whole Cold War started with Golden Boy top rank. You know, it was between those two. So Golden Boy was a real entity compared to what they are now with him actually under their umbrella. So, you know, I think it's good for boxing. I see nothing but success happening for him. Um, I actually see some blossoming of the sport possibly, you know, given his ties, you know, to the financial uh, realm. Um, we we may see some good promotions with him. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, this December 10th one, uh, not sure what to expect. You know, considering the way the fight was announced, it's been anticipated for a long time. Um, it's at a, a unsung arena, something that's not really known in the L.A. area for boxing. So we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, this is Richard Schaefer. I don't put it past him to make this thing work. And he's got two excellent title fights, especially with Marez being from Mexico. Um, yeah, you definitely going to bring in the Latinos. For this one, so I definitely be see his uh his premier promotional debut or his premier promotional uh about being being successful with that formula we have with those two fights. Um, I'll bring us to our next topic. Uh, another fight was announced just a couple days ago. Um. This is for a title eliminator, which is crazy considering uh, he just fought for the title a couple months a month or so ago. Um, we got Dennis Shafikov, uh dangerous dude, man, dangerous dude, going against uh, Richard Comey, who just lost to Robert Bunny Easter for the IBF, uh, what are what a one thirty five title uh, about a month or so ago. Uh, they'll be fighting in Russia in December uh, for IBF title eliminator. Man, talk about an exciting fight. Um, yeah. All right, let me swing to the TK, man. And let me get your thoughts on, on No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm sorry. Now. Hold on, I'm sorry. Can I go first? Because I got to get this on no. my chest. Shut up, nigga. <laughs> nigga. <laughs> <laughs> show. He bitched, he moaned, he fucking complained because he didn't like the decision that he got. So instead of him Mm. saying, yo, give me a rematch, he bitched, moaned, and complained, and I guess the IBF heard all that shit and decided, okay, fine, we're going to put you in the title eliminator, whatever the fuck it is. That's not how a fucking sport supposed to goddamn work. You don't bitch your way into a goddamn goddamn title fight. 
Fuck that, that's bullshit. Oh. I hope Shaka Khan runs this motherfucker the fuck over and we never hear from his punk ass ever again. I hate shit Ooh. like that. That ain't fucking boxing. <laughs> that ain't what boxing is about. That ain't what fucking fighters are supposed to fucking do. If you get your ass whooped, you get your get back. You fight your way back or you ask for your rematch and you get back in the ring and that's how you do it. You don't go on the street, Twitter and all that shit and you act like a fucking punk ass motherfucker who pangs the two fucking tight on your ass. You go, you get in the Ooh. fucking ring and you fight. That's why you're a fucking fighter. Okay? Now, uh, Shaka Khan, I hope he runs this motherfucker the fuck over. All right? Now, Kome, he's tough. The dude can crack and all of that. So he has a, he has a good chance of winning because he got some anger in him. But fuck it. I hate the way he got this fight. I hate the fact that he bitched and he fucking moaned and complained. And as far as I'm concerned, this motherfucker will never get no fucking love from me until he apologizes for that bullshit. It looks like you got some anger in you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> to, 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 to TK, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even know how to give it to pass this off to, to either of you after this, man. Uh, this yeah, is the movement he, of bipolar edition. Yeah. This is the movement yeah. of bipolar edition. He, he just flamed it too. I, um, yeah, I, I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> going off on this episode. Shoot, bipolar edition. So, oh man. You know, uh, I never really thought of, I never really thought about it like that. You know what I'm saying? But since you know Bo headed off like that, he, I mean, it makes sense. I forgot all about um, Richard Comey doing a lot of bitching and moaning about the decision, which I thought, you know, it could, the fight could have gone either way. I had Robert Easton winning that fight, but it could have gone either way. But yeah, he's absolutely right. Right after the fight, I wrote dozens, I read dozens of articles about him bitching and moaning to the IBF. Um, but, Bo, I thought you'd be happy because your boy, Fresno Kendo, got the same treatment. You know what I'm saying? When he fucking got the majority <laughs> and lost to Ruthless Shagayev, well, he bitched him on. The WBA said, Cuba okay, Loka. man, we're going to give you another shot. You know what I'm saying? It's the same damn. <laughs> exactly. It's the same damn. No, it is. No. Hey, hold on. That motherfucker is Puerto Rican. Don't you ever confuse a Puerto Rican. With a goddamn Cuban. Don't you ever do that shit again. What do you think that? Don't you ever do that shit. I didn't do that. <laughs> okay. But no, no, but, 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 but you're right. He did. And yeah. I, I don't like that, man. You're a fighter, man. I, I, I don't like that. I just don't like it. No, I, I agree. I agree 100%. That shouldn't have happened. Um, but that said, man, uh, it, it, it was the fact that they, they gave him the Fresno Kendo treatment. They said, okay. Since that fight was very close, it could have gone either way. Here, we'll put you in here with this tough-ass motherfucker, the guy that just uh, TKO one of the best up-and-coming prospects uh, recently in July in Jamel Herring, right? Jamel Herring, yeah. We're going to put you in there with this motherfucker who just uh, pretty much gave Francis Bartholomew his toughest fight of his career. Most of that was by choice, but uh, choice of Francis Bartholomew, but still was one of his (laughs) toughest fights. We, yeah, we're going to put you in there with that motherfucker. And if you beat that motherfucker, who is the Ruslan Provodnikov of 135, well, then, yeah, you can get your get back. So it, it, it kind of has a uh, – it, 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 it's a double-edged sword for, um, for, for Richard Comey. I mean, one end, he, he's kind of getting the immediate, the immediate chance to get his uh, rematch, but at the same time, he's got to go through a really hard fight to get there. And given his yeah. style – um, it's a big chance this motherfucker might not be winning this fight, bro. 
I mean, you got Shab- a guy. Shabakov is going to exchange a lot more than Comey did. Comey boxed him. Hell more, yeah. You know, and Shabakov is going yeah. to be in there throwing them things. You know? <laughs> he, that, that is what it is. 100. 100. He's, a, he's literally the 135 version of Ruslan Pervodnikov. You hit this motherfucker, and he keeps coming. No defense, a lot of power. And he's one, he's a whole bunch of fucking he's high rate high work rate high volume yeah literally yeah. so so and Jamel Herring is a guy that is defensively sound uh, he's fundamentally sound you know what I'm saying he makes he has lapses in the ring which is what happened in his fight against him uh, Shafikov. But Shabakov had no problem. He went in there. And yeah, let me yeah, let me follow that up, TK. Uh, Herring is also uh, one of the taller 135 guys like Comey, you know, the same lengthy, yeah. rangy type of body. So Shabakov yeah. can fight against these kind of dudes. Um, so that that's, they, yeah. thank you for bringing that up as well. Yeah, good point, good point. Exactly. And, it, I mean, just given his style, he's, he's a motherfucker's going he's going to come at you. So Richard Comey, man, uh, his stance can be a, a, a bit wide at times. Um, he's not defensively sound. Um, I don't question his chin, but uh, even though, and even though uh, Robert Easter's punch was more of a counter punch, it was a straight right hand. Um, still, I think a punch from Dennis Shafakov has just about the same amount of chance of knocking him down as well. So I'm not saying that he could possibly get knocked the fuck out based on the Robert Easter fight, I'm saying that he could possibly get knocked out based on his style, the way he moves around in the ring, um, his lack of just defensive uh, uh, fundamentals. I mean, it's, this is a hard-ass fight, okay? So at the same time, man, I agree with Bo 100%. He bitched and moaned until he got his opportunity back or at least the, let's say, the uh, front row seat <laughs> to get his opportunity back. But they did not put him in there. Yeah, they didn't give him no easy win in there. It's just definitely nah. one of the tougher dudes, I think, in the, in the division. Um, and if you look at the, the rankings, uh, it's pretty much him and Verdejo. And, you mm-hmm. know, um, I think for Comey could smoke Verdejo easily, you know, at this juncture in his career, and he's injured anyway, so... You know, they, the idea yeah. they had to do what they had to do and then and getting the fight out there. Um, it looks like Verdejo was gunning for other organization champions anyway. Uh, yep. Terry Flanagan being that guy. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I definitely think Shaf- this is a fight that favors uh, that I favor Shafikov in um, just stylistically uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, let me pass it on to Bo. I mean, uh, Bernard, actually. Um, we didn't get your take on this one. Um, what are your thoughts on this, man? I mean, do I? I mean, I got to agree with Bo and 2K. I mean, I was shocked myself when I saw it. I'm like, really? You just lost the title fight. How do you get an eliminated fight? Um, but it's bullshit. I'm with, I agree with Bo and EJ. I mean, 2K. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> Shout out to Jerome, man. Here we go again, man. Shout out to Jerome. I mean, um, yeah. Uh... <laughs> we need our. Oh. Listen, our, our hey, moderator got it. 
Our moderator got to get a hold of that. Lamar, I mean, Twan, get a hold of this shit, man. See, <laughs> see, <laughs> Garrison's getting on you, dog. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done, man. I'm finished. Oh, yeah, we done with this shit. Yeah, I'm done. That was super No, what up, yeah. what up? <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, I'll be man. real quick. I hope Dennis... Dennis Shuffleham knocked this dude out, man. I'm done, man. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Y'all too damn much, man. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how I want to flip this. We got a lot of a couple of other good topics coming up. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and start with this one. This is another fight that's been anticipated this year, but it was just announced. Uh, yesterday, um, series, the Showtime events that will be coming up featuring uh, a lot of the PBC fighters. Um, this one is actually probably going to be for the King of 168, um, and we're going to go into our divisional spotlight after that, you know, based off of this uh, fight announcement. Um, it finally was announced that James DeGale, or the girl, as I call him, uh, the dude, Jack the Ripper, um, January 14th, the uh, finalized date, finally. Um, we were expecting it to happen, actually, this part of the year now, um, but they finally came to terms um, for January. Um, I'll go ahead and pass it to Bernard first on this one. Um, what are your thoughts about the prospects of this, the uh, Gill and uh, the dude, Jack fight? Hey, I agree with you the same thing. I was looking forward to see this fight um, next month, but um, it's good to have it in the early uh, quarter of 2017. I'm looking at this fight. I'm leaning more to the Gale with his, his boxing with his, with his boxing skills. Excuse me, with his boxing skills, and feel like he's going to do what he do to do to uh, get the win and unify the belt in the 168 uh, pound division. I'm also looking forward to um, seeing his sister as well. So, uh, <laughs> hey, I got to be going oh, 2K to it, man, and, and, and twice, so y'all will say, I'm going to say it first. I'm looking forward to seeing his sister. I'm down with the fuckery right now. I want to see his sister. Forget the fight. I want to talk about the sister, dog. But I'm no, let, over there looking uh, like a no, She is, she let, is bad. Yeah. Let's yeah. go with 2K. Break down the fight for y'all. I want to see the sister. <laughs> Man, uh, Bo, you gotta oh, pick up God. the slack. You gotta pick up the slack for your partner, man. Well, what was going on? Because the slack, shit, I don't want to agree with my partner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, okay. we're, we're talking about the next. You know, we're talking about the next episode. Yeah, the next episode. Okay, you know what? You know what? Here we go. I'm going to pick up the slack for my partner. I want to get on the way because I don't want to see his sister cry. End, of, end quote. No more crying. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, listen. Um, this was the fight that I was hoping would happen this year. But, uh, okay, but it's not, but we're going to get it the first part of next year. It's a very good fight. It's a unification fight. Um, the girl... See, the, the only thing is, DeGale, he is 
very he kind of reminds me of Winky Wright, not the way he fights, but <laughs> how hard it is to prepare for him because he has that or he has his irky jerky style. He throw punches from different angles. He did not look good in his last fight, but the the thing about boxing is sometimes you just have to win and then look good in the next fight. Um, he didn't look good in his last two, though. He didn't look good against Butte. He didn't look good <laughs> against Medina. Like he's just been looking so so. Yeah, you know? but 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 he still has been able to find a way to win. Bondu Jack has been on a run. This is the dude that when he lost by knockout, everybody thought you know he was a hype job. He was done. He's been on a run. All right, and he's another guy. Like kind of like Joe Smith, he was you know the underdog, and then he had, I think he fought one of the Durrell brothers, uh, and and he won that fight. So Anthony, uh, he fought Anthony, Anthony, yeah. Okay, right, right, right. Anthony, Anthony Durrell. Right, he fought Anthony Durrell. He fought a, a PED bootay. He uh, so and he <laughs> came yeah. out the victory. He's tough. All right. Um, he has improved he drastically. He got a draw. He had a draw in that bootay fight. Yeah. Yes, he did. He had a draw in that fight, and he should have won that fight. He should have won, he, yeah. That, that was definitely a he fight. Won he should have won. Should have won that fight. But he has improved drastically. If you watch his skill set, if you watch how this boy fights, how he moves, how he kind of sees, like how he kind of sees what's going on, uh, you can see some improvement in him. Um, I like this to me is a pick and fight. It's a 50-50 fight. Whoever can implement their game plan first. I, what I don't want, though, I don't want to see – uh, James DeGale do that little thing, that little Chris Bird thing, as I call it, put his hands to the side and do that little up-and-down movement. No, not against Bondu Jack. Bondu Jack will tag you. Bondu Jack's not going to play with you. Okay, Bondu Jack's going to go to the body to keep <laughs> doing all that movement. If you get up against the ropes, mm. Bondu Jack's going to try to dog you out a little bit. All right? But uh, James DeGale, if he keeps it on the inside, if he keeps his movement there, if he keeps his punches going, the thing about Jack that I – that I've, I've seen sometimes is if you can throw punches, he's hesitant to let his go. So, you know, he's not quick to think the counter. He can, but he just don't think it. It's not something that's in his mind to do right away. So it's a 50-50 fight to me. But uh, uh, I'm leaning toward DeGale only because of the experience factor. Uh, I think DeGale has a little bit more experience. I think DeGale has a, a little bit more know-how on how to win. But it's a 50-50 fight. And, um I'm going to go to that fight because if it's Sister Cry, I'm going to have a shirt that says Twan Bernard, and I'm going to be consoling her. <laughs> <laughs> you also got to remember a uh, common opponent they have, which is George Groves. The girl lost oh. against Groves. Yes, he did. And Badu yeah. Jack beat him. Uh, beat him. Um, so that's a, another uh, interesting uh, commonality between them. Uh, that fight with George Groves. Um, uh, and uh, tell, us you, uh, tell us how you really feel about George Groves. Yeah, 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 TK. Yeah, tell us how you really feel about about everything right there. You know, George Groves is my dude. You know, off topic, but anyway, um, I thought James Miguel won that first George Groves fight back in 2011. I think he, uh, the scorecard should have been in a different direction uh, for that fight, but it was razor thin. Um, but he won that fight. But anyway, uh, Bo, man, bro. Let me just say this. Me and Seth have been going back and forth about these two way before they even announced that these two guys would have a chance to fight each other. We talked about these two talk, uh, fighting each other, and Seth is one way and I'm the other. Now, if you guys ever want to see us argue again the way that we did uh, over Deontay Wilder a few months back, or sometime last year, actually, this will be the fight to do that. We will argue again on camera. Um, 
Badu Jack, to me, is getting way too much fucking praise. I like him. He's a good fighter. But if you really look at what he's done after getting knocked the fuck out in the first round in 2014 against Derek Edwards, he really has – see, both said he improved drastically. I don't see that. I see that he has improved, but I don't think it's drastic. If you look at his um, his opponents, you've got Jason Escalara. That was a UD. He's a bum. You've got Francisco Sierra. That was a knockout in the sixth round. He's a bum. Anthony Durrell fight was a majority decision. George Groves was a split decision. Then you've got Lucian Boutet, which was another majority decision. Now, in that fight, I agree with all of you guys. He should have won that fight. But one judge had it 117-111. Uh, in favor of Badu Jack. I don't think it was that kind of fight. It was closer than that, but it wasn't a draw. The George Groves fight, split decision, that was okay. Anthony Durrell, majority decision, that was okay. The way Badu you got to remember, fight, he wasn't favored in any of these fights, though. You know, yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. I agree. But I'm still looking at his style, okay? The way he fights, he gives you the opportunity to take the fight away from him, the way that he fights. He, he's in there, and he's balanced. He's basic, okay? Um, if you take the fight to him, you can make it look really good to the judges that you're actually doing something to him just based on his style, and you may not be doing shit. That's why Lucian Bate got the, the scorecard that he got, okay, the two uh, draws anyway. Um, the thing about DeGale, though, is that, and I, I got to disagree with my man Swan, man, I disagree when you say he hasn't looked good in his last three fights. It's not that he looked bad to me. He looked like James DeGale. I said this before. James DeGale even fought in fucking America. I said what he does is he looks good in the first half of his fight, and then he curtails off always after the sixth or seventh round. I don't know what the fuck it is. It's a mental thing. He gets complacent in the ring, starts feeling himself a little bit too much. I don't know what it is, but after the sixth or seventh round, he curtails off, he moves off his game plan, and he allows fighters to get themselves back into the fight. That's exactly what he did against all three of those fighters. Now, he won by unanimous decision in all three of those fights, but he did let Roger Leo Medina come back in the second half of that fight. He did let Lucian Boutte get some good uh, rounds in the second half of that fight, and with uh, Andre Durrell, I was going for Andre Durrell, and Andre Durrell was whooping his ass after round six. So that is the one thing that Badu Jack does have in his favor in this fight, James DeGale doing that mental lapse in the second half of their fight and allowing Badu Jack to turn his game on. Now, James DeGale does what he's supposed to do, uh, which he will probably do in the first half of this fight. This is a takeaway win for James DeGale, in my opinion. I'm talking 116-112, and it's because of the way Badu Jack fights, how basic he looks, how you can get off on him and make it look good on the judges' scorecard. Nevertheless, it's a great fight. I can't wait to see it. Like I said, me and my co have been talking about it since way before they even thought about this fight, but I got James DeGale as a stance today. Well, you know what, though, 2K, let me say this. This is why I say he, 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 he has made some drastic improvements. Like you said, Bondu Jack, he's basic. But he, he has never looked good being basic. And that's what I mean. If you watch Bondu Jack, he is basic. But Bondu Jack never looked this good and he's being basic. He does the basic things a little bit better. He does nothing special extraordinary. He just seems to, he right. seems to do them better. And also, and I, and I did say that, you know, 
I don't like the fact that when you if if, if James DeGale can let his hands go, Bondu Jack doesn't throw back. He he doesn't he, he can he can counter when he wants to, but he won't for some reason. And that's why I said that's one of the things that I don't like about him, which is why I be telling you in there and why I picked DeGale, because DeGale will right. let his hands go as where Bondu Jack won't. But I do agree with you right. about DeGale. For some reason, once he feels like he's done enough, uh, he's done enough, or he's comfortable enough in a fight, he does lower off like he's trying to save something in the tank for the last round. Right, right, right. I don't know what that is, but I think, <laughs> honestly, man, if he does that shit, um, there is a big chance that Body Jack can take that fight. But it's it's really simple to me uh, as it pertains to James DeGale. You need to box and move, and you need to do that the entire fucking fight. Don't stop and allow Badu Jack to get fucking comfortable like you did Andre Durrell. You allowed Andre Durrell to get comfortable, he started coming back in the fight. <clears throat> so if, as long as he doesn't do that, I think he has a good chance. And one other thing I want to mention before I pass it off to whoever else is next, my man says, says he, he, he goes to his grave. He will go to his grave and saying that Badu Jack was knocked out in the first round against Derek Edwards because he was under the bright light and he was nervous because Floyd Mayweather was ringside. I fucking 100%, 1,000%, 2,000, 8,000% disagree with that shit. Got knocked the fuck out because a nigga basic and Delroy Edwards brought the fight <laughs> to him. Hold <laughs> on. 100% fucking agree. 100% fucking agree. If what? you get knocked out because of somebody at ringside, goddamn it, you deserve that knockout. Exactly. Man, uh, I, I'll just put this in there. Um, this fight boils down to the, the two things. Um, the dude Jack cutting off the range because the Gale has shown ring generalship in his last couple of fights. Um against Bute and uh, Porky Medina. So, Badu Jack's ability to cut off the ring and the effectiveness <laughs> of his body work is really going to be the yeah. determining factor in this fight. Um, yeah. If Badu Jack can't cut off the ring against the Gale, it's, like you said, the 116, 112 all day. Um, that's pretty much what it boils down to me is, can Badu Jack cut off the ring? Um, we got another issue as far as him getting rid of his trainer for this fight. Um, he had been with Eddie Mustafa in his most recent yep. resurgence. Um, they're no longer together, um, and this is his first fight without uh, Eddie Mustafa being ahead at his, at, uh, of his camp. So there's really no telling. I think it was a bad move on Badu Jack's part personally. Um, you know, the move with Eddie <laughs> Mustafa has improved him his lifestyle, per- period, you know, not just in right. the boxing ring, but, you know, he's now in the Muslim faith and, you know, devoted to that again, you know, something that Eddie Mustafa had helped him with. And, you know, I, I think it's just bad timing, you know, as far as this fight against Begill. Um, Not to say that Badu Jack doesn't have the skill set to beat him because he does. He's a hard worker. You know, that's that's one thing I give Badu is that he's a hard, he's a grinder, you know. Um, but it's just, it might be too much to deal, you know, not having that even stop there in the corner. Um, yeah, I definitely think this is a fight he needed him in this corner for, though. Um, 
the Gill generally likes to use the ring. He throws punches from odd angles. But as you've seen against poor Medina, if he could cut off the ring and you have a work rate, you can make him look, you know, pretty bad in there. So that would be interesting to see how that plays out when they do fight in January. Um, There's been no venue announced. I'm thinking it's going to be in the U.K. personally. Um, So as far as everybody trying to get up on my girl, James the Girl's sister, you know, that ain't gonna be happening unless y'all. You don't even know her name. You don't even know her name. So. Amel Larue. Amel Larue. That's what I'm calling her. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, hold on. Bernard, can you come over here and pick your face up, please? <laughs> I'm calling her. Oh, wait, 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 fight announced uh, from the PBC brand uh, yesterday, or actually a couple days ago. Um, This one is actually, uh, I guess, slated for February, I believe. Uh, I got to double-check that, actually. But this is a pretty big fight. Um, It was rumored that Adrian Broner would be going directly after Ricky Burns for the WBA 140 title. Um, But it looks like he signed a fight to fight Adrian Grenados uh, in his return bout. Um, pretty dangerous bout if you know anything about Grenados. Um, yeah, I, I actually like this fight stylistically on paper. Um, it is definitely a good fight. Um, Grenados handed uh, Amir Imam his first loss by knockout, you know, uh, he put one of them Julio Cesar Chavez, Nelson Taylor like beatings on a mom. So um, this definitely <laughs> to me is a, is a fight that Broner needs to, to really be be serious, serious about. Uh, Grenada yeah. is from 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 Bo and Bernard's hometown in Chicago, from Chi Town. Tough dude. Um, yeah. I'll go ahead and pass it to TK to, to start off this one. What, what were your thoughts initially about this fight being announced, man? Um, this as soon as this fight was announced, by the way, it's gonna be uh, February 11th. And when this fight was announced, immediately I was like, "Well, this is gonna be a cherry pick that might possibly go wrong." Um, this is, I think, this is a fight uh, that Adrian Broner had picked to. Uh, prior to fighting Ricky Burns later on next year. Um, dude, Adrian Granados has a, a good chance of winning this fight. Um, there's something that I do see with him. By the way, shout-out to my man, Savon. Uh, Granados is a guy that has been giving Savon nightmares since Amerian Mom was knocked the fuck out uh, back in, you know what I'm saying, last, last November. You know what I'm saying? That boy, Savon was riding... Savon was riding with him, mom. I was trying to talk him down. Savon was like, no, he's Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather Jr., Jr., Jr. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's been giving my man nightmares. But Renato uh, can be outboxed, man. Uh, I don't know if you, if anybody knows about a guy named Brad Solomon, very, very good uh, boxer. He yeah, beat, uh, yeah. He beat Adrian Granados by split decision. He outboxed him. Something else a lot of people might not know is Adrian Granados fought Felix Diaz, the guy that just beat uh, Semi Vasquez, 
he fought him to a majority decision. Now he lost that fight, um, but uh, but the judges thought that one judge thought the fight was close. But in that fight, Felix Diaz also outboxed him, so that he could be outboxed. But the problem here is that Adrian Broner doesn't box in the manner of Brad Solomon or Felix Diaz. Um, those are guys that can give you movement. Adrian Broner, man, while he can give you movement, he chooses not to. He chooses to stand in that fucking that dumbass wide ass stand, wide base, yeah. Uh, yeah, with that with that shoulder roll, trying to pot shot you a lot. He's a better fighter when he's coming forward. He's aggressive and he's using lateral movement. When he's not doing that, uh, a pressure fighter like a Marcos Maidana, a Sean Porter, or Adrian Granados, they can get the advantage over him because he can't move out of the way quick enough of the pressure. So they'll catch him. Um, so. It, this really depends on how Broner – if you look at it on paper stylistically, Granados has a very good chance to win this fight. But if Broner comes into this fight and he's actually moving like he did against Ashley Theofan, he did a little bit of movement in that fight. If he's moving uh, like he did in that fight or a little bit more, then he'll probably take the fight. But if he comes in there in the majority of the time with that wide-ass, stupid stance, assisting that fucking shoulder roll, man, Granados might get the upset, B. Yeah, my mom tried that shoulder old shit, and uh, like I said, he, he took a uh, pummeling that's going to take some 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 life off his career. Uh, yep. uh, yep. Let me go ahead and pass it on to Bo on this one. What were your thoughts about this fight being announced, and should a Broner have just waited for the, the Burns fight to come instead of taking this fight? Because this, this is a pretty dangerous one for him, I'm not going to even lie. Uh. I thought two things. One, I thought this could very well be his next Marcos Maidana. I definitely thought that. Uh, another yeah. thing that I thought is um, I thought that this might be Broner's way of trying to show everybody how serious he is about making some changes and not just his life, but maybe the way he fights or, or fighting be more serious because uh, anybody who knows anything, anything about boxing, like, like my man said, you know who Granados is. You know, he's the dude that stopped the high trade of Iman. He's been in there with Felix Diaz. He's been there with some tough competitions. Nobody blows him out. Uh, he's there. He's, he, he's exceptionally durable. He's exceptionally tough and strong, okay? He's not somebody you're going to push around and move around and, and just, you know, you know, just think you're going to get in there and just have your way with him. So I, I thought, you know, maybe this is either Broner or, you know, Heyman or somebody trying to, you know, give Adrian Broner a fucking wake-up call. Say, look, man, wake up. You know, stop. You know, whatever you're doing, you need to stop and wake up by, by giving him this type of a fight. Because if he don't take this fight seriously, well, he takes a loss here. That's it. I'm, I'm being honest. I mean, that's pretty much going to be it for Adrian Broner. You know, yeah. where do you go from here? You know, so – this might be that wake-up call that somebody gave him that he needed. I thought that. And then, I, you know, like I said, uh, he's looking at Ricky Burns. A lot of people aren't really looking at that fight to be serious, but this is a fight you can take serious. And then it also, it, to me, it'll display that myth that everybody got this thing that Heyman liked making, you know, these mismatched fights, easy fights for his fighters, and that's not necessarily true. Sometimes these guys turn down fights, case in point. Danny Garcia turned down both Berto and John Mulaney to fight, you know, whoever he fought. So, you know, sometimes sometimes this stuff is on the fighter, but this this right here, you know, this is a tough fight for him. This is a wake-up call for him. I like it personally. 
because, like you said, the best I've ever seen Adrian Bone, and I, I, I tell this to Bernard, is when he fought DeMarcos. And that was Hell the best yeah. I've ever seen. Now, DeMarcos wasn't what he was, but the way he fought DeMarcos. Now, if that Adrian Broner can ever show back up, he can give anybody a hard time. He can give anybody a hard time. But we haven't seen that Adrian Broner for a long time. He went from being hungry to being a celebrity. And that's where we saw a big change, and not just the way he fights, but, hell, the way he trains. So he better take this very seriously because Granada's, we all know he can stop the he can stop the hype train real quick and real fast. And and to two K's point, the guys that beat him, especially Felix Diaz, had the yeah, uh, top dudes are top being top prospects, and they they right. been controversial. They they been controversial losses. Right, but yeah. to to like what two K said though, the guys that beat him had the exact same skill set that Broner have. The difference was their mindset going into this fight. Now we're going to find out where's Agent Broner mind at. Because if he shows up, Agent Broner that fought DeMarcos, he, I, I see him having a good fight against uh, Granada's. But if he shows up, that, that you know, this Agent Broner we've been seeing lately show up, man, like I said, we could be talking about him in that past tense. Like, man, do you remember when yeah. Agent Broner was? And that's, that, that'll be the conversation. <laughs> you know? Seriously. Yep. It'll be a 30 for 30 fucking movie. Seriously. Real talk. Yep. Bernard, uh, you got anything to follow up with uh, for this one? I mean, if he, if Adrian Broner loses the Granados, I think we uh we actually be looking at uh Adrian Broner suicide watch for real. Um, nah, hey, yeah, I'm just probably. saying, yeah, possibly because I mean at this point in time, um. His antics and everything. I, I I was thinking he was gonna fight Ricky Burns. I really thought he was gonna go and get that match, but he's taking. Maybe uh, Al Hamer's tired of him playing the games and stuff and this and that. But as of right now, I agree with both Two uh, K and both. He needs to go on there. He needs to show out now. One thing I did say I, I was gonna say this on his boxing part. I remember when the uh, PBC uh, first came out. He went against John Molina. I know that's kind of not a ma- a matchup everybody would. To say, but he did, in my opinion, when I saw that fight, he did do a lot of boxing in that fight, a lot of movement as well. So if he does put put that in this match against Granados, as well as as he fought um Demarco, I could see him winning that fight. If he does anything else mm-hmm. less than that, he has a potential of losing that fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say, go to hell, Bernard, for taking my point about John Molina. Um, <laughs> hey, 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 I mean, you should never call on me then. That's all I'm saying. But I, I want to say something else. Okay, I remember that one. Hey, I want to say, well, you know what? You probably been thinking about this too the whole night, too. Hey, I want to get this off my chest. So I want to get this. Everybody's been blacking out this whole night. I want to get this off my chest. So all the motherfucking haters that were saying PBC was going under. Look at all the fights that's coming up next year. And to all of y'all, I got to say this. Three words. Eat a dick. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, the, the, the movement, the, hey, you know, we're collective. Everybody got their own, got their own statements, man. Yeah. And we going to let Bernard ride with that one because that's just what yeah. he does. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Let them have that one. Yeah, that 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 definitely was a shocker right there. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but I like everyone saying, man, this is a dangerous fight for Broner. Um, I actually would have preferred he fought Burns over this fight. That was a, a easier fight for him to take in, plus his four title. Um. Yeah, so, you know, like Bo was saying, um, this might be something for him to prove to everyone his seriousness about the sport or his dedication because um, Grenados is no joke. Um, all of his losses are, are con- I won't say controversial, but they've been been marred, you know what I'm saying? Like there's been some question to him. Uh, he went through some adversity in the mom fight and got knocked down. And he came back and whooped his ass. I mean, so this dude is tough as nails. I said it on our show last week when we did the 140 spotlight that I'd like to see him against Terrence Crawford stylistically. You know, that's how big I am on Grenados um, as far as what he brings to the ring, his tenacity, his high output. I mean, he can get put on the canvas if you got the power, but he's going to keep coming. You know, he's got a lot of dog in him. Um not to be slept on. Uh, and this is definitely a fight that he's wanted, you know, um, the follow-up to the uh, mom fight. He hasn't been in the ring, I think, since. Uh, having some promotional issues as far as getting fights or opponents. Um, so this is a perfect opportunity for him to prove himself and, you know, get out there to more of the public. Um, the dude is definitely the real dude, and no, nobody is sleep on for Broner. Um, as Bernard said, if Broner comes in there like he did against John Molina and uses the ring, he can make it an easy fight for him. So, um, stationary, wide base stance, not gonna not gonna bode too well for him against Grenados, who uses a lot of high output and pressure. Um, as Bo said again, this is could could be another remake of the Maidana match, you know. So. It definitely has that possibility to it. Um, with that said, um, I guess we could go into our divisional spotlight for the week uh, just to get a little break from the news. Uh, we'll be talking about the super middleweight division for our division spotlight, 168 pounds. Uh, we talked about two of the fighters already in Badu Jack and James Begill. Um let me get everybody's take on this division as far as where it ranks. Um, just what's your thoughts on as far as the talent in the division? Um, I'll go ahead and start with TK on this one. Man, I got two words for this division outside of uh, James DeGale, Badu Jack, man, and, and Andre Durrell, and that's Callum Smith. That's the dude that I want to see. Um, against one of the top fighters. And he doesn't have a, ske- a fight schedule right now. He's fought primarily um, in the uh, U.K. I think he's had one fight in the United States, um, I think, well, back in, yeah, 2014. So, I mean, he's this is a guy I want to see him in the ring. I want to see him against um, WBO champion, uh, what's my man's name, Gilberto Ramirez. I want to see him in there with him. I would like to see him in there with George Groves. I think that's a good fight. Um, Andre Durrell is trying to come back. I'd like to see him in there with him. Uh, you got Anthony Durrell. You got Fedor Shudinov. Um, 
Arthur Abraham is still a guy in, in the uh, division. I think he's got a fight coming up, actually. Uh, nah, Abraham, the, 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 the fight with Mark Murray actually got canceled. So there, there's they got canceled, schedule. okay. Yeah, yeah, that okay. was just a recent announcement. Yeah, so that's just some of the top names in the division with, of course, Calvin Smith being, like, the number one prospect there. And you also got, jeez, uh, I totally forgot his name, man, uh, Caleb, Caleb Plant. Uh, prospect out of uh, TMT. He's at 168 as well. Um, I'd like to see him in the ring. Possibly, I, I went back and forth with one of my subscribers, man, and um, he want to see him in the ring with, like, a body jack right now. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I want to see him in there with, like, a Roger Leo Medina first um, before I throw him in the ring with a body jack just to see where he's at. Because right now, you know, Caleb Plain, he's been fighting a lot of uh, no-name guys, carpenters, cab drivers, and shit you know, uh, uh, gatekeepers. I like to see him in there with a with a, a guy who is he's considered in between a journeyman and a contender. And yeah, I said that because okay, he K- has... Caleb Truax or something like that. Yeah, well, well, I think Caleb Truax is a certified journeyman. Uh, Roger Leo Medina is a little bit above that because he's given the top guys in the division hard fights like DeGale and Badu Jack. Caleb Truax, motherfuckers been running through him recently. So, you know, I think uh, I think he would get – what's the guy's name that uh, knocked down Kovalev? Blake Caparello. He's another one that would be good for him because he just went down to 168. So he's another one that would be good for him. But, uh, yeah, man, it's a good division. This is one of those divisions that, um, again, is under the radar. It's one of those uh, in-between divisions, it's in between middleweight and light heavyweight. Uh, kind of like 140, you kind of gloss over that shit. Um, but with the absence of Andre Ward, I feel a lot of people been like, hey, ain't nobody really down there. But you still got a lot of guys there. And all four of the champions, you know, James DeGale, Badu Jack, uh, Gilberto Ramirez, and then fucking, of course, Felix Sturm. Felix Sturm, he's going to be stripped whenever his B-sample turns up hot. I'm still waiting on that. But all four of those champions are game competitors. Um, and I think they could match up between all four of them would be excellent for for the uh, for the division. Definitely agree. Um, it's a division that there's not a lot of discrepancy between the talent, so it's a lot of close fights there, which is one of the reasons why I like the division. It's not super yeah. super deep as like 154 per se, but it's a lot of close fights, you know, within that top ten. Um, let me right. go ahead and sneak it over to uh, Bo on this one, man. Uh, your thoughts on the division and, you know, anybody in particular that you're, you're really, you're really looking at. No, cause there are no Cubans in that division. So fuck it. But, um, <laughs> 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 no, uh, you know what? It, it's another one of them sleeper divisions. And I guess because it's a division that's in between middleweight and light heavyweight and light heavyweight seem to have a lot of action going on right now. So cats, a lot of people ain't paying too much attention to uh, the, the middleweight division. But uh, you have, like you said, uh, and I know 2K, he told us how he feels about it, but you, you still got George Groves there. Um, George Groves is still there. Of course, we got DeGale and Bondu Jack, Arthur Abrams, uh, Ramirez, uh, both the Durrell brothers, Caleb Smith, and I agree with him. Listen, I wouldn't mind seeing Caleb Smith and, and, and Ramirez get it on myself. I oh, think yeah. that would be a very interesting fight, you know. Uh, then you have um, two guys, and I hope I don't mess their name up, 
One is Fedor, and I don't want to mess up his last name. Chud no, Chud no, yeah. yeah. And then Robert Stieglitz or whatever, Stieglitz or Robert whatever. Stieglitz. Yeah. yeah. Right, Robert Stieglitz. So you have some guys in that division where, like you said, some of these fights, even when you're looking at some names you don't know, but, you know, if if you go back, if you watch them, you'd be like, man, you know, a lot of these fights, there's no, there's no standout. And I think the vacancy of Andre Ward kind of kind of left that there. There's no clear cut standout in that division. So yeah. you have some matches that can be made. Man, you have a lot of uh, you, you know you have a lot of good um, good fights that can be made there. And uh, I would just like to see it get a little bit more love. I think one of the reasons why I probably don't have as much love could be the fact that you don't necessarily have a champion that's an American champion, right? saying that, but that just seems to be true. If you, we don't have one of our own in there or one of our own even holding the title in there, people tend not to pay much attention to it. Historically, yeah, the, the okay. best the divisions, like the, historically the divisions that Americans have most paid attention to was uh, the welterweight, middleweight, and heavyweight. Those yeah. are the three weight classes that most Americans paid attention to because that's where we was the most. I like this 168-pound division because then, and then, too, you're looking at these are the guys that can go from 168 to 175, and that's where it really gets kind of interesting and funky when you start doing that. So, you know, good matchups, like the division, hope it gets a little bit more love, but the fight that I would like to see outside of DeGale would be Cullum Smith versus uh, uh, Ramirez. All right, now let's uh, pass it over to the Bernard on this one, man. Uh, well, what are your thoughts on the 168 division, uh, any prospects, or who do you think is actually – you know what? The I mean, they already mentioned the top dogs. I'm uh, fans for the Darrell brothers. I was kind of looking forward to uh, seeing. Um, I thought when Badu Jack beat Anthony Darrell for the bill, I was expecting Anthony to get his get back and get a rematch afterwards. I guess not for whatever reason that didn't happen. But um, y'all mentioned everybody else, but y'all forgot a sleeper that I think is coming up in the division. Um, Jesse Hart. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesse yeah. Hart's definitely yeah. one of the top-ranked yeah. guys. Uh, he's uh, definitely yeah, one of the top-ranked guys. Good call. Good call. I had him on my radar. So, he's coming up. Now, there's this one person in this division, and Bo May, you, I, we did a video about him. He kind of went back fighting like um, like he's a prospect. It is um. Jay Leon Love. It was like he came oh, up. Oh, man. Don't, man. Hold on. Hell no. Next topic. Next topic. Next topic. Next fucking topic. Hey, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not even saying he he's a uh, prospect or even like that, or you say he's a potential contender. I think he's just, it was just kind of one. I'm looking at his name. I'm like, yo, where has he Why? been at? You know Why? what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, yo, where this cat been at? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. But that's a whole other. No, because you know why I mentioned that name? Because I was expecting him and Jesse Hart to go into a, get a big fight on the, uh, doing under that Pacquiao uh, Mayweather card. That's why I, I just mentioned his name. And I was kind of wondering why he didn't okay. take that fight. But that was just my thing. Pretty much, he should have, in my opinion, he should have took the fight. You know what I'm saying? Dude calling you, calling you out. Hey. Step up to the plate, call or call his bluff. You didn't. Yeah. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, I'm really pretty much a fan of the Darrell brothers. I'm looking at them, and 
other than that, it, I mean, true. Nobody else really. I mean, you got everybody else that stands out. I mean, I don't know what's the status with Julio Cesar Chavez and whether he's still in the division or he's moving to light heavyweight. I don't know what his status is if he's going back and forth with that. But as of right now, like I said, I'm just going because I'm biased right now. I, I'm a fan of the Durrell brothers. So, uh, uh, I definitely think really Andre Durrell is probably the class of the division if he's given a, a, another chance. You know, like I said, if you um was able to get that run back with DeGill, I could easily see him winning that second bout, second bout against them easily, considering uh, the two knockdowns were pretty much the difference in their fight. Yeah. Um, so, so me, I personally think Darrell is the class. Andre Darrell is the class of the division, but, you know, um, just getting the shot is not going to be an easy thing. Um, you know, we got to, let's see, in the, WBC Caleb Smith, I think, is actually the top-ranked guy to face Badu Jack. Um, so he's number one rated, about to face the guy that whoever wins out of that Badu Jack and uh, the Gale fight. That's actually a stipulation from what I've been hearing. Um, Chudinov is probably going to get bounced or get a lifted to WBA champ or at least in a, a title fight, you know, once that process with Philip Stern plays out. What about Giovanni um, um Keller? Nah, that nah, nah, I, I choosing off would beat him anyway. <laughs> you know when he comes down, <laughs> choosing off would beat him if it came down to it anyway for for them putting that vacant belt up. Um, both Gilberto Ramirez definitely the truth. Um, a good yeah. prospect. I, I won't say he's a prospect since he's a titleist, but he still got a lot of. Upside and growing to do, you know, he uh, he outclassed the uh, veteran and Arthur Abraham pretty easily, which uh, wasn't really expected by a lot of people. I thought he would win, but nobody thought it would be by that wide of a margin. Um, as soon as he comes back for injury, you know, that's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with him. And, you know, you got the in house fight possibility with him and Jesse Hart, you know, being his uh, mandatory in the WBO right now. So there's some interesting fights that could happen. Um, another guy that I like, uh, he's still young, uh, still making his way through the ranks, but he's an, a former Olympian uh, from India, uh, Vijander Singh. Um, I don't know why I've taken a liking to do, but he's just one of those uh, interesting guys I've been paying attention to, uh, 168. Um you also got David Benavidez. He's another guy, prospect coming up in that weight class. Um, so that those are two, uh, some of the guys that I'm actually looking at right now. Of course, you still got my boy Martin Murray. Never, uh, still hasn't won the title. You know, he's been so close, <laughs> robbed a couple times. Uh, but he, he's always putting up a good fight against somebody. So, you know, um Definitely interesting division, 168. Uh, like everyone mentioned, it's pretty unsung considering Andre DeVille. I mean, uh, Andre Ward left the division. has been kind of unsung, and, you know, there's no American fighters really doing anything outside of Jesse Hart, who's still not really known uh, by the public in the States. So definitely interesting, interesting division to pay attention to. Good fights within the top ten. 
probably not the deepest division, but definitely some good fights and not a lot of uh, disparity between between the guys in the top ten, which makes it, which is always good for you know having a competitive division. Uh, that will lead us to our next topic. Uh, man, PBC just been covering us with these damn fight announcements this week, bro. Uh, <laughs> we had the rematch announced for Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz announced. Uh, I believe that will be happening in January as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, man, let me go ahead and pass it over to to Bernard on this one, your thoughts on the, the rematch finally coming to fruition? Uh, what do you think, man? I think this is a good, another good bout, another good, uh, good rematch. I hope Santa Cruz get to get his get back and possibly push it to a trilogy. Um, me, um, I do have a question because I didn't really get a chance to really look into it. Is this fight going to be um, overseas? In the U.S.? Nah, it's going to be in Las, the U.S. Las man. Vegas. It'd be in the U.S. Las Vegas. Las Vegas, okay. Cause I, was, I remember um, Francis saying he was going to take the fight overseas if he wanted a rematch. But she's going to be in Vegas, okay. But, um, yeah, I was, the first fight was good, man. I, I'm expecting to see another uh, toe-to-toe battle. Both fighters again, Frampton and um, Cruz. And I just like to um, – I would like to see Cruz win this one and hopefully get his get back and possibly um, pull a trilogy out of this one. All right, uh, let me swing it to your partner in crime, Bogard. Yeah, I like this fight, Leo Santa Cruz, Carl Frampton. I personally, uh, I personally think Carl Frampton may just have Leo Santa Cruz's number. I don't see Leo kind of Santa Cruz has one gear and he fights one way, okay. Uh, and Kyle Frampton was able to catch him. He was able to counter him. Uh, he was able to, you know, get his timing down. He was able to throw Leo Santa Cruz off rhythm with his movement uh, and, you know, giving him punches from different angles. And I just don't – I'm not trying to knock Leo Santa Cruz, but outside of him beating Abner Morris, I've never seen him fight anybody of that type of skill set that, that Kyle Frampton displayed. And no. he hasn't shown me that, that he has anything inside of him to adjust. Like – he made no adjustments. That was the one thing that bothered me the whole fight. Leo Santa Cruz made no adjustments. Twelve fucking rounds, no adjustments. Okay? So uh, I, th- I just think Carl Frampton has his number. Uh, but I like the fight. I'm, I'm, you know, he, he wanted to get back. Uh, the only thing that I, I criticized Leo Santa Cruz was I hate the fact that he tried to say or indicate his loss being to the fact that it was more um, UK people cheering than Mexican people. I, I I thought that was straight total bullshit from a guy who, as a fighter, you just got your ass whooped, and that's your focus after getting your ass whooped. Not he did this better than me. He did the better. I lost because of some cheers. That's your mindset. So now I see why you mm. fucking ran from Rigo. So, um, you know. You, you, you know, just wanted to throw in something about Cuba. You ain't pulling with nobody else. You ain't pulling with me, man. Let me ride. I'm going to ride with Bones. Both of them, not that division. Bones is going to fight each other so they didn't have to fight uh, the slick Southpaw Cubans. 
Hey, I was Man, we had all kinds of motherfuckers running from 122. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but but still, it is a it, listen. It's a good fight. I like I I like the fact that he does want his get back. So I give him that. I'm glad Carl Frampton didn't decide to make it in the UK because if it would have been in the UK, there's a good possibility a lot of people probably wouldn't watch it because of that time zone difference. So, you know, Carl Frampton, he beat Leo Santa Cruz. He'll get a chance to fight him again and build up more of his base over here in America. We get a good look at him. So I like the fight. I just think Carl Frampton has his number because Leo Santa Cruz does. He hasn't shown me that he has that ability to find another gear or make an adjustment, and Carl Frampton was able to do that. So. I got something winning this one. Good fight. I'm looking forward to hearing what TK has to say about this rematch, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely want to hear your take on this one. Um, well, I'm gonna start off and say that it, it's a it was a good fight. The first fight was a good fight. Um, I thought the fight was closer than 117, 111, which is what Tom Shrek scorecard he turned in. Um, uh, with that said, this is a rematch of the, uh, what I do, Battle of the Two Bitches. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's going to be Battle <laughs> of the Two Bitches Part 2. You know what I'm saying? Uh, battle of the Two Bitches that are ducking the, the uh, Get Em on Riggendale, a.k.a. the Jaw Collector, a.k.a. the Jaw Breaker. You know what I'm saying? The My real man jackal. Got the real jackal. Exactly. The real jackal. My man got jaw bones and it's in the backyard of his Miami home and shit. You know what I'm saying? So Motherfuckers just don't want they jawbone in his backyard, so they run from 122 go to 126. That's what happens. Now, in this fight, since it is a good fight, it's a it's a situation where I'm stuck in between, man, picking the lesser of the two evils. Um, my boxing brain is like, yeah, Carl Frampton is gonna win this fight. Uh, what he displayed, exactly what Bo said, what he displayed in the first fight, it was something that Leo Santa Cruz has never uh, seen before. Also, Leo Santa Cruz does not have a plan B, uh, he he has a plan A, and if you beat him at his plan A, well, then that's it. You just continue doing what you're doing, you'll win the fight. Um, Carl Frampton decided to mix it up uh, in, his, in his fight with him, and that's how Leo Santa Cruz started coming back from uh, losing every single fucking round. Um, when Carl Frampton stopped boxing, stopped moving, and tried to mix it up, that's when he started fucking up. Um, so in this rematch, I expect him to do exactly what he did in the first half of the fight, uh, first fight, keep boxing, keep using your slickness, use the ring, and he should come out of there with an easy victory. Um, that's my head. My heart, I hope Leo Santa Cruz beats the shit out this motherfucker. Now, we already know Leo Santa Cruz is a bitch, okay? Uh, what Bo said about Santa Cruz saying that he lost because of cheers, well, I'm not surprised over that. This is the same motherfucker that came on camera and said, yo, uh, my dad told me to stay away from Gettemo Rigondale. Then on top of that, in the same interview, the motherfucker completely prices himself out by saying, well, shit, if you want me to fight Rigo, I'm going to need $3 million. Knowing goddamn well at that point in time, you wasn't getting $3 million for that fight. So we already know he's a certified bitch, and we've been knowing this for a long time. Carl Frampton, on the other hand, this is a guy that said, hey, I'll fight Gettemo Rigondale as soon as I get rid of Scott Quigg, he said this on camera. He said, yeah, me and Scott Quigg got mad beef. I'm 2K to God translating this. But he said, we got mad beef. You know what I'm saying? Let me get rid of this motherfucker. Then I'll go fight the other jackal. Soon as he gets rid of Scott Quigg, the motherfucker catches amnesia. Oh, well, shit. Uh, uh, what did I say? Oh, no, nah, no. Nah, nah, he don't generate enough fans. 
Well, nah, he, he's boring. Like, he's not going to generate the, the type of money. Like, Get the fuck out of here, nigga. Living really with that belt. Yeah. You scared and you a bitch. So the fact that he led us astray, because I was waiting on it. Carl Frampton, as I said in plenty of times, was my, is, was my favorite U.K. fighter. He was my favorite U.K. fighter. I couldn't wait to see that fight. And then after the fact, he led us astray and pulled a bitch move. So I want the certified bitch to beat the, the bitch that is becoming more of the bitch in recent times and Carl Frampton. That's what my heart says. But my boxing knowledge supersedes my heart. I think Carl Frampton is going to take this one. Huh? Man, I'm uh, probably in the minority on this, man. Uh, I don't – well, Frampton won. I'll say that. But it wasn't like this one-sided thing that I'm hearing people put out uh, or at least Bo alluded to as like, like an ass-kicking you know, uh, TK said, or I'm not sure who said there's plan eight. Well, he only has one plan. Well, in this fight, they tried a plan A and a plan B uh, in the first yeah. fight. They actually tried to box with Carl Frampton. And, you know, that shit pissed me off, you know, seeing that game plan from uh, Santa Cruz's father or him saying box him for the, for the first four or five rounds. You know, like yeah. that's why the fuck would you put that in his head that he's gonna outbox Frampton considering his past exploits or uh, you know, uh, Santa Cruz's style all along. Now, when Leo turned up the pace and went to doing what he does, his high output, high by himself, it was a different story in that fight. Like he got caught with some clean counters, but Frampton was getting hit with more shots to me. You know, that's what I'm looking at. You know, people say uh, he was landing one hard one for Leo's two to three punches landed that may be pity pat or soft or whatever. But ultimately, that swayed my mind seeing that second half of the fight and the output and him pick up the pace. Frampton looked completely different in the second half of the fight. Now, given Leo doing his thing, and not listening to his father saying some bullshit like trying bots in the first couple of rounds, I actually think he could beat for, uh, Frampton. Like to me, it's not beyond beyond doubt that he he could get a UD against Frampton if he fights his high pace, high output self. There's no way you can defend Frampton can defend that. You know, like he struggled with it in the second half of the fight. So. I'd actually pick Santa Cruz to win a rematch uh, with that considered. Um, yeah, his father was just wild and with that bullshit as far as the game plan, though. Let Leo do what the hell he does, throw his goddamn high out, high volume, and, you know, let, let him overwhelm me, you know. You know, pressure yeah. his style, you know. that That's how, that's just his way. That's his and that's, own that's, way. That's, yeah, you're right, and that's exactly, you know, the prediction. I made a prediction video of the first fight. That's exactly what I said Leo needed to do because that's what Scott Quigg didn't do. Um, Carl Frampton was just waiting in that fight. I mean, that fight was two motherfuckers staring at each other for 12 rounds, and I was always like, dog, Quigg, throw some motherfucking punches, and you can actually win this fight. Now, of course, I was rooting for Frampton, but it was evident, uh, more evident as to what Scott Quigg needed to do to win more than what Carl Frampton needed to do. 
And that's why I said in the prediction video, I was like, shit, Leo Santa Cruz is not going to do what Scott Quigg did and just wait around and not, not throw any uh, punches and not, not provide any volume. He's going to provide volume. And you're right, in the first half of that fight, he didn't do that. But I still believe uh, the only reason why he actually came back was because Carl Frampton decided to stand there and slug instead of box and move. And when he did that, I definitely gave those rounds to Carl Frampton. I mean, I'm well, that's the thing. Through. With 12 rounds of that kind of pace, can you actually choose the, you know what I'm saying, the not, the, the not yeah. get in that kind of fight? Because we've seen Frampton, uh, one of his last fights at 122, he got put on the canvas twice. I can't think of gets yeah. him. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, but also, I, 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 I don't think gas is out, too, though. Remember that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I'm like 12 rounds of Leo being Leo. Like, I, I can't see Frampton dealing with that, you know. Um, like, that's been one of Frampton's downfalls is his tank, you know. Uh, yeah. he, he, he drains himself in the end, you know. And even at 126, you know, I thought we would see a difference with him not draining the weight off, but he looked gassed in the Leo fight in the end. So, right. I, I don't think he could deal with 12 rounds of that. Personally, I would, go, I would favor Leo. Um, in a rematch. Um, Chip, with that said, we got uh, our UOENO topic of the day. Um, and this week, on this day, October 26th, in 1951, in New York City, Rocky Marciano knocked out Joe Lewis in the eighth round of their fight. Of course, you know, Joe Lewis was 177 years old. At the time he fought Rocky Marciano, so not sure how much credibility we can give that knockout, but it has been credited as uh, one of Rocky Marciano's greatest victories. Of course, he retired undefeated, the man that everybody goes after in Boston, 50-0, perfect record. You know, this is still highlighted in Boston to this day, so rest in peace to the champ, man. Um with that said, let's pass it over to TK for the final blow. All right, man. I just want to talk a little bit about the fighter's mentality, man. Um, a lot of people don't really understand the difference between a fighter's mentality and the average person's mentality. Um, so, of course, you know, you listen to me on my channel. Uh, our channel is the most controversial channel on YouTube, man. I talk a whole lot of shit. I'll say a lot of shit about fighters. I mean, I don't hesitate to call a motherfucker scared, pussy, whatever, whatever it is. But the difference between me and the rest of you motherfuckers out there is that I've been in the ring, and I've been in the ring a lot. I've been in the ring over the course of years. So um, I have that mentality uh, to where that I understand um, as a fighter um, there is no there, – there, there's a such thing as fear, but you use fear to your advantage. You don't use fear in order to get your way out of fights. Um, a lot of the um, – the excuses we hear, as I just said we, uh, just a few minutes ago about Carl Frampton and, you know, in regards to Guillermo Rigondeau, that guy's too boring or he's, you know, he doesn't bring enough money to the table, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot of that is due to the fact that these fighters cannot handle their fear. Don't be mistaken that it's always all about money. Uh, for example, Daniel Jacobs. I mean, he's, he's talking about, yeah, you know, Triple G, he's, he's number one in the division. And I'm just second best. That's one thing you never do uh, as a fighter with the right fighter's mentality is say you're second best. Uh, the, 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 or let me just say this. Uh, 
with the fight, the right mentality as a fighter, you don't ever concede to defeat before you actually fight the motherfucker that you're talking about. Perfect example of a guy that does this the right way is Adrian Broner. Now, a lot of people don't like him, right? A lot of his antics outside of the ring are ridiculous. Um, but one thing you'll never see is him concede to defeat uh, against anyone before he actually fights him. When was the last time you heard Adrian Broner say, yeah, you know, you got to pay me $10 trillion before I get in the ring with this guy? You don't hear that. Uh, when was the last time you say you hear Adrian Broner, yeah, you know, he's the number one guy in the division. I'm just second best. You don't hear that. Um, he even went at Floyd Mayweather. While I think that is staged, it's still showing the fighter's mentality if it was something that wasn't staged. He said, I'll fight the motherfucker right now. And that's Floyd Mayweather. You know, that's big bro. So um, a lot of people can't really fathom uh, the fact that a fighter is scared of another fighter or they try to make excuses for what a fighter uh, is saying about why he's not fighting another guy because they don't understand the fighter's mentality. They don't have that ability to understand the fighter's mentality. They have the average man's mentality, which is the average man will not go outside a bar and fight a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? These guys get in the ring, and they fight motherfuckers for a job. That's what they do for a living. They go in the ring and training and spar 15 fucking rounds, you know, three to four times a week. You know what I'm saying? Whereas the average man, he gets into a bar class, this nigga's scared to throw one punch. So when you got guys that have the average man's mentality um, pretty much making excuses, um, for fighters who don't want to take certain fights and trying to use that as a viable um, excuse for that behavior and trying to tell a guy like me who has been in the ring that, hey, no, 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 uh, this is the right call. Get the fuck out of my face with that bullshit. All right. Uh, is that 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 all, TJ? You got anything else you want to add, or that's it, bro? I um, so I guess that concludes our latest episode of the Movement Boxing Podcast. Uh, I am trying the Divine Liberty for my co-host. Big uh, Cool can be with us today. You know, hopefully we held it down for you. You know, we'll see you next week, bro. Uh, Bone Bernard of the Truth and Facts About Boxing, and of course, the man on the final blow, TK, from the Guys of Boxing Talk, and together we are the movement. Uh, Till the next episode, check y'all next week, y'all. Jesus. Peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.